and welcome to the Panhandle Primate Podcast. I am your host, Dexter Kearley, and um, I hope this uh, podcast is finding your ears uh, in a comfortable, warm environment. It is uh, pretty chilly here in Amarillo, Texas. Today is uh, Sunday, November... Let's see here, November 18th. Um, And I recorded this episode with Angelina Medina a few days ago. I think it was uh, this previous Tuesday. A lot's happened since then. Uh, Amarillo announced that the baseball team will be called the Sod Poodles. We talk about that a little bit in this episode. Uh, What else has happened? Um, Okay, we also talk a little bit about Smooth Taste playing a show, but that has already happened. Uh, You know, I... You know, through talking with my wife, um, sometimes I'm not very consistent with posting these episodes every week. That's my goal, is to get one of these out every week. Uh, but in order to do that, some well, you know, the thought was, hey, I'll stockpile some of these interviews and I'll release them on the weekend. You know, so like as it comes around, I'll release it and that'll keep me, uh, keep me uh, relevant maybe, but... I'm thinking I might start posting, I think I might just go back to the way I was doing it, and after I record the episode, trying to finish it up that day and get it out. Uh, sort of out of um, out of a convenience factor, because whenever it's really you know fresh, when the interview's fresh on my mind, it's a lot easier to, to bust out one of these intros, uh, but also just to, just to get it out, because you know, if anybody is listening to these uh, as I post them, you know, some of the some of the stuff that we're talking about would be a little bit more up to date and relevant. Anyway, all that to say, um, Angelina was a great guest. She was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and apologize to her as well as you, the listener. Um, there were several interruptions during this episode. Uh, the AC kicked on at one point, so I had to pause the episode. To, uh, Turn that off, and then also my uncle called, uh, so I had to pause the episode for that. So there's a couple, there's a couple of interruptions. I think those were the only two, um, but I was super embarrassed when they happened. I didn't feel like it was very fair to my guest, um, so I just wanted to go ahead and throw an apology out. Those things aside, this was a really fun podcast. It was a really fun interview. She's a really fun guest. Um, she's a great advocate for Amarillo the Emerald area she's really like uh i feel like there's a certain niche of uh, maybe type of person maybe it's type of age maybe it's interests i'm not exactly sure that amarillo is like perfect for um i would i would classify both her and her husband who has also been a previous guest on this podcast um as well as myself and my wife i think we're um, you know, Amarillo suits us perfectly. It's it's a, a, a land of opportunity, you know, like there's a lot going on, but not so much that we're all like just, you know, like a, like a Dallas or a big metropolitan area where, every, you know, everybody's doing something and most people are forgotten about, you know. Uh, Amarillo is still a place where uh, I guess it's a small, a, a small enough town to where you can be relevant, you know, or, or something like that. I don't exactly know what I'm saying about that, but it's perfect. It's perfect for, I feel like, our age group and for, uh, I really do wish or hope that Amarillo can be reframed as, like, 
a place where millennials, quote unquote, want to be, you know. Uh, anyway, all of that to say, um, she is a great advocate for Amarillo, one of many people helping to rephrase the conversations that are happening about Amarillo, as well as providing a new perspective. And by providing a new perspective, I mean this literally. She takes pictures of Amarillo. Um, recently, she was, I think it was an Instagram story that she posted, but I also am pretty sure she put some pictures on her feed, uh, her Instagram feed of uh, the old Santa Fe uh, train depot, which are pretty cool. She's uh, taking pictures and showing these different uh, views of Amarillo that you know not a lot of people are privy to. So uh, that Instagram, her Instagram is Short Ear Dog. That's that's her uh, her business name, like production company name, as well as her Instagram name. So. Uh, if you click in her, on her name in the description, it will take you to her Instagram. And I think through through her Instagram, you can pretty much find everything else she's connected to. Um, let's see. Yes, that is the guest. Uh, I've got a few shout-outs to give. Uh, first shout-out is to the Lake Dads. Uh, they played a set at 806 the other night. They opened for a band called uh, Rock Europa. Europa. Eupora, Eupora. I can't exactly. It's it's rock, E U P O R A. I want to say Europa, but I don't think that that's right. So, but it's E U P O R A. They played a great set. They're a band from Nashville. They got a rocking little sound. Um, one of many talented bands that travel through Amarillo on a I would dare to say um, daily basis and. Uh, luckily for us, some of these bands stopped. They stopped in at the 806, which was a lot of fun. Uh, it was uh, good to get out there. And like I said, the Lake Dads, uh, be on the lookout for them. They had a, let's see, I wrote down. Um, so they are dialing in a unique sound. I. It was interesting because they have a nostalgic and a futuristic sound. Which is kind of an interesting combination, but if you if you hear their music, I played uh, on Broderick Adams episode. They were the closing out band, but you can check them out on Instagram and you can get uh, in touch with their their band camp through that. Uh, but it's it's cool. Um, I think it's cool to see a band like them just getting started. Um, not to mean that they're not. Uh, in a good place now, but it's cool to imagine where they're going to be um, in the near future. They they got a cool sound already, and just to give a little shout out to them. Next thing, um, it, which you know, there's a lot of awesome bands here in Amarillo that are killing it, and I really do think Amarillo is a good place for a band to be. Uh, as far as for touring, you've got I-40, I-27. It's centrally located in the center of the country. Cost of living is cheap. And there's a bunch of badass places to work. Uh, Matt, actually, I met him a lot, a lot of years ago, but he works at Roasters, and that's that's how I originally met him. Um, all that to say, check out the Lake Dads. Next thing, Shake Hands Amarillo tournament happened yesterday, and it was a blast. It was a great time. Uh, they bumped me up to the A bracket, which was not necessary. It was good for it was good for my game. 
but it wasn't necessarily good for my record. Uh, did some, I think I went two and two, actually. Like, I think I won two games or two sets, and I lost two sets. But it was a lot of fun. Some great, uh, some great play. I played a dude named Coley, that uh, Coley Whipple. Uh, I actually played him in my first tournament, and he beat me, and I got lucky this tournament, and I beat him. Um, it was some hard-fought match, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, I really enjoyed all of my matches, but uh, the Pizza Nomads were there. Pizza Nomad. I don't know if there's an S. I think it's just Pizza Nomad, but they were slinging some dope pizzas. It was delicious, really fun atmosphere. Um, Jeff again made a badass playlist it's on spotify i still believe it's on spotify but it was a metal playlist some great tunes kick-ass metal playlist and then we saw some amazing ping pong i'm talking um like so muhammad which he played uh i don't know i think he just played two months ago was his first term he played it i'm not sure if he played last month but I never thought I was going to see this guy get beat. He's amazing, really good player, tight game, played on Egyptians or Egypt's national team. Um, but he came up against a opponent in Deshaun. This dude's from Lubbock. He's going to school down there, going to Texas Tech for his uh, doctorate in engineering. Um, but he was on Sri Lanka's uh, national team. So we had like an international matchup at the uh, – at the, the the spot, you know, here in Amarillo. Amazing ping pong, a lot of fun. Um, Jaime and Tracy were also in that same bracket. It was a little round robin, like an elite four brown robin tournament. It was, or a bracket, super cool, high level ping pong, really fun to watch. Um, Rogue Ale sponsored it, and also Paddle Palace was another sponsor of it. But this is a great event. I'm like... It was fun to participate in. It would have been just fun to be there if you were, uh, if you just wanted to watch. They have uh, a B bracket, an A bracket, and then they're doing this like elite bracket. So it really can accommodate any level player. If you're at all interested in ping pong, check them out on Instagram. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and uh, it's just a great, uh, great community building environment couple of quick shout outs one to refugee language project check them out on instagram um they're doing some great things for the city of amarello and i really think uh what they're doing here in amarello could benefit uh the entire country uh they they're building a really cool program uh they have table talk which is every other saturday uh i think it's this coming saturday this next saturday uh, as well as some other projects. So if you're if you're looking for a way to get involved in a great uh, organization and really start connecting, like to push yourself out of your comfort zone and meet somebody new, uh, meet somebody from maybe a different side of town than you're on. And this is what's cool is it's as beneficial for the refugees as it is for a resident or somebody who's born and raised in Amarillo. Uh, both parties can benefit from. Just sitting across the table from somebody who shares a, you know, who has a different story, but shares the same air, you know, they share the same sunlight that you share. So it's just cool. It's good. It's a good way to meet people and uh, to expand your horizons. You know, you don't have to leave Amarillo to meet somebody from around the world. You know, it's uh, becoming more and more common. Like I said, 
an Egyptian. You got a Sri Lankan. You we've got uh, people from all over the place in Amarillo. I mean, I think we have one of the highest uh, refugee per capita populations in the country. So great organization. Check them out on Instagram or check them out on Facebook. Refugee Language Project. The last thing is my buddy Luis Garcia. He's still organizing the Critical Mass Bike Ride. This is a grassroots thing to try to get um, more awareness about bicyclists and uh, and to get more people on bikes. Actually, in the in the Facebook group that I got, uh, I reposted a, a TED Talk video that Luis had posted in the Critical Mass Facebook. Um, and then there was just this dude talking about, I think he had Crohn's disease. Uh, and they gave him a pretty bad, um, you know, prognosis, I guess is what it would be. And um, he, so he went for a bike ride and ended up uh, feeling better and realizing that there's a community and that there's all these different things that, you know, riding a bike, uh, he points out that a lot of people stop riding bikes whenever they're kids and then they pick up riding bikes, you know, if they pick up riding bikes whenever they're older, they realize the reason you ride a bike a lot when you're a kid is because it's fun as hell. It's a good way of getting around town. It's good for your heart. It's a good exercise. Um, but you know, part of it is uh, it's it's a uh, collaboration between people who ride vehicle or who drive motorized vehicles and people who ride bikes and pedestrians who walk. We need to build a collaborative community to where everybody's watching out for everybody and everybody's trying to make sure everybody gets home safe. You know, so. The Critical Mass Bike Ride is about teaching proper uh, etiquette, uh, properly lighting your bike, wearing some helmets, doing these things safely, getting around town, maybe saving some gas, saving some money. Check them out. It's fun. Every time I've ridden it, or I've only ridden it once, but that time, well, way back in the day I rode it some, but recently I got to ride it once and uh it's a blast so i'm gonna try to make everyone i can uh now my last plug is it's shamelessly plugging myself um this is for the patreon account that i started panhandle primate podcast patreon i'll have a link in the description down below if you're liking the show if you're if you're enjoying what it is that i am doing if you're if you're picking up what i'm putting out um throw some cheddar my way i'm gonna use this money to hopefully do more interviews and create some merchandise and you know if uh i have a part-time i have a full-time job and i have a part-time job and i'm doing this in addition and i'm enjoying the hell out of it and it is a free show and it will always be a free show and you can participate in this thing for free i'm not trying to say that you gotta pay to listen because it's not that it's not a pay to play. You know you can listen for free, uh, but if if you if you're liking this, this is for somebody who's actually enjoying the show. Um, this is a great way to show a little bit of support and maybe give me a, a little little boost in motivation. You know, like little little artificial motivation. So I have three tiers. If you want to sign up for a monthly tier, it's a dollar, a dollar a month. And that's the dollar make me holler tier. Um, that is a reoccurring thing each month. Once a month, you'll be billed a dollar. And that'll go straight to the podcast. Uh, then there's the next tier is uh, if you want to buy me a beer. It's the buy me a beer tier. 
$5 one time, it's not recurring. Uh, if you click that button, it will buy me, it will give me $5, it will give the podcast $5. I might use it to buy a beer. More than likely, it will go towards developing merchandise. Then there is the Mythical Creature tier. This is a $10 one-time gift. Um, I'm calling it the Minotaur. You, you become a Minotaur, which is a, a mythical Greek mythical creature who guarded a labyrinth. And sometimes that's what I feel like society is. You know, It's a labyrinth guarded by a half man, half bull, if that makes sense. So this is $10, one-time gift. Uh, that would be huge. The reason I'm calling that a mythical creature tier is because I don't think I'm going to see very many. So far, I don't even know if anybody's gone to the website. So um, thus far, if you're if you gauge things, if you gauge success off of like having people do it, uh, then currently I'm unsuccessful at this. But that doesn't that doesn't mean I'm going to stop trying. I'm going to continue to try. And uh, hey, I'm just throwing it out there. It, you know, one of the things I've learned is nobody is going to support you unless you give them something to support. If you give them a way to support, and this is the way you can support the podcast. So, a uh, dollar, five dollars, or ten dollars. Just uh, if you like the show, if you're digging the show, check it out. Um, now, uh, the last thing is I got a Facebook page for the podcast. I'm going to try to uh, start posting more events, so like local bands that are playing, bands that are coming through Amarillo, as well as you know other things like there's uh, Yellow City Comedy uh, has just started. Uh, they're doing a lot of open mics, and they're you know doing some stand-up comedy. Um, so that's cool. I'm going to start trying to repost that whenever I see that they're doing events uh let's see what else you know stuff just other stuff that i've announced so if you're interested in seeing some like cool things that are going down in amarillo hop on that instagram or that facebook page um also i'm hoping to post like interesting relevant comp like content um to maybe get some conversations happening amarillo is ripe for expansion uh so all we have to do as a community is start having conversations everything starts with a conversation and it starts with an idea and anything that we can do to progress ideas and to progress conversations that's what the panhandle primate podcast is all about in essence so that is all i have to say about that um, today, the band that I'm going to play you into the podcast with is a local Amarillo band, Black Box Theater. Um, Connor Downs, who took the shot of Broderick Adams, that is uh, the cover photo for his episode. He, uh, you know, I, I've talked to him a little bit on Instagram, and I think he's going to come on the show, uh, maybe him and the rest of Black Box Theater, the band. Um, but I listened to their music and i dug their shit it sounded really good so i'm gonna play one of their songs this song is brand new hello off of their album uh hypnotic woman i'm pretty sure that's the name of the album i forgot to write down the name of the album but i'm pretty sure that's the name of the album but like i said black pox theater check them out i have a link down in the uh, description hope you dig the song i know you're gonna dig the interview uh angelina medina is badass and uh She's uh, going to be a staple in Amarillo. She, she'll be around for a while, and you'll definitely hear her name. So without further ado, check it out, people. 
Uh, I appreciate the shit out of you. Thank you for listening. And until next time, peace.
Quiet all babies. All right. Where is your baby? He's at Mother's Day Out. Nice. So we do we do Mother's Day Out um, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 9 to 2. Oh, dang. So, yeah. It's super nice. Shannon is taking a class. She's t uh, working on her master's, and she just had to have, like, she had to have some time because, you know, you know, love, love little kids, love babies, but they do not understand that that there's something else other than like their personal little yeah what narrative that they got running in their head, you know. So yeah, you so have we, to give them attention at all times. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and he, you know, it's really weird because when he doesn't think you're doing something, he can do his own thing perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. But the second he realizes that you're doing something that you don't want him involved in then he's just i mean he uh shannon also teaches vip kid um and she's got her little baskets over there because whenever the kids like do something like they get uh answer right she'll like pull out like a little penguin you know like yes. oh you got a little penguin you know and set you gives him a little reward yeah. he gets in there and just demolishes everything like she feels like she said before she feels like he's picking on her, like she has like a bully living in their house, because he just gets into everything that's hers and just destroys it, like pours yeah, so it all out do. all over the. <laughs> yeah, animals. they are wild animals. Yeah. Oh man, it's my so sister's funny. got five, and I was their five. nanny for a while, and it was five kids, one right after the other. She was pregnant for like seven years, <clears throat> but I mean, there it's so weird because all five of them have a different personality. Mm hmm. It's super weird. Yeah. It's like uh, there there is no way of predicting mm -mm. like what a kid is gonna be like. You know, mm -hmm. they're also like crazily, interestingly unique yeah. in their own like whatever little little bubble. Unique or demonic? I haven't quite you know like, some of them. Yeah. <laughs> up until the age of five, I feel like they're like you said, wild animals. I well, mean, there is zero some of them continued continue for a while. The oldest nephew, he's, I mean, he's in his 20s now, and we can finally, you know, have a conversation, And but he was, he was bit me on the face one time, he ate my homework. Oh my gosh. I mean, this kid was just... Is he um, the one that's the drummer for... No, that's Daniel, he's the oh. second one. Oh, second so, one. So, yeah. Daniel's yeah. like docile, Calm, quiet, like yeah. Reserved and yeah. everything, that's hilarious. Uh, you want to jump in? Yes. All right, um, and I guess we're just, we're started. So okay. this is the Panel Primate Podcast. I'm here with Angelina Medina, um, Short Ear Dog Productions, Sad Monkey Media, uh, at Sad Monkey, your uh, social director and photographer for yes. them, yeah. and then uh, Timble and Pim Vintage Clothing. Tibble and Pim. Is that is that say that right? Tibble and Pim? Yeah. Tibble and Pim? Yeah, yeah, those are our cats. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to ask. I was like, where did the name come from? Yeah. Because I was kind of thinking maybe it's like Shakespearean. Maybe like there was a, yeah, no. you know, Tibble. That sounds very, you know, from Romeo and Juliet, mm -hmm. right? Tibble. And then I was like, maybe Pim was in A Midsummer Night's Dream, you know? No, I'm not that creative. That's Pitt, maybe? I can't remember. Anyway, not important. So what, what's like a little bit of your like backstory? I grew up in Canyon, and I've lived in South Carolina, Phoenix, and in Austin. 
Where at in South Carolina? Uh, Bluffton. Bluffton. It's um, Hilton Head Island. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just the town right inland. Okay. So, I'm trying to remember where it is. My buddy, my buddy's dad has a brewery. I think it's in North Carolina, but it's real close to the oh, border. Yeah. I would um, not have gotten to enjoy that when damn. I was there. I can't remember. That's not important. I was much younger. Much so, younger. Well, I wasn't quite old enough to drink I don't think so yeah. was this so Canyon till what age and then moving Canyon around Canyon until about nine, about 20 I think um, a really good friend of mine passed away and my dad lived in South Carolina and he was like I hadn't really met him like I'd met him one time mm. he's like come on stay with me and I went out there and it's beautiful but you can't see anything Mm-mm. it's just trees trees no. everywhere it's very different than yeah. than the panhandle or texas yeah, yeah so i didn't last very long out there and came back here and then went to phoenix for audio engineering oh, okay so and then austin to work then austin and i worked in a recording studio for about a year and it was not my jam no i'm not a good suck up mm. you have a lot of really bad musicians that ask your opinion and oh. I basically got fired for being honest. Oh, I just couldn't do it. See, that does not seem like a very healthy, like healthy creative environment to like uh, cultivate. You know, no, like you, you, you have to have. To yeah, you have to have that the feedback, yeah. actual feedback, not. Um, well, and I had the overnight sessions from nine p.m. till nine a.m. So it was. I got what? I got the worst. Of the worst. Oh, you know? is it, were those the cheap? The cheap? The cheap sessions, oh. yeah. So because I was a female, and I actually had, I had a band walk in one time, look at me sitting at the board and ask where the engineer was. And I was just like, all right, cool. This is this is our night. This we're is gonna, how we're going to start. We're going to be fighting through this. So. Oh. But, I, you know, it's, it's a good opportunity for younger bands, and... I just feel like they need someone that's going to at least direct them in the right direction. Well, it's weird. Like, were they were they thinking that your critiques were coming from, like, a place of personal uh, thought or professional? Like, were they – is that part of it? Like, because I imagine if you're, like, working with, like, Rick Rubin or, you know, like, one of these guys, and they say, you sound like shit, you can't say anything back to that because you know he's not saying mm-hmm. – well, out of my narrow understanding right. of yeah. music, you sound like shit. You know, he's saying you you uh, genuinely out of my expansive knowledge. You know, and so yeah. so I wonder, do you, do you feel like it was that you were young, like a young sound engineer, and maybe even a female? Like, I mean, I think a lot of it was um, they didn't know me. Mm. Understandable. Uh, I was a female, and especially at that time, you know, this was ten years ago, and it was a very male-driven industry. Mm. And the guy that owned the studio was a pretty not uh, woke human being. Mm. So he was, you know, encouraging that kind of behavior as well. But, you know, I would try and take it from a gentle direction. And unfortunately, sometimes that didn't go across very well. But See, that's kind of interesting to me. Uh, you know, uh, what is it, Almost Famous? Mm-hmm. They that movie like really does a good job of highlighting the the female uh, intuition of music mm-hmm. because that's even growing up in high school the people who gave me the the most music of my friends were always female they were the ones that were finding new bands unique bands interesting music interesting sounds like more uh, they were listening to it 
less, hmm, I don't know, I've never really actually thought this through, but less from like a critical standpoint, like technically, mm-hmm. and more from like an emotional, emotional yeah. Yeah. you know? So like typically, it seems like at least that, that females have like a more intuition, intuitive, you know, as to like what direction you even need to go, you know, yeah. like a nurturing sense, you I know? Get, I get the technical side of it, but I don't enjoy music just for that. That's John Rubin. Obviously, mm. he's a drummer. He loves math rock and things mm. like that. I I listen to lyrics. I listen to the mood of the music. And that was, you know, I had a lot, when I worked at the studio, I had a lot of rappers and a lot of metal bands. So there's not a lot of emotion there. Mm. It was more technical. So, you know, I had... I had this one kid, he was probably younger than I am because his mom was with him and he was a rapper and he goes into the sound booth and he does a, a song and he comes out and he goes, what do you think? And I said, man, you're wasting your money. And he, that poor kid, I know that was really mean, but he was awful. Mm-hmm. He was so bad, but he had passion and I let him know. I was like, you, you obviously have the drive. You just need you need to work on getting it cleaned up. Yeah. So. Well, that that is that's hard to do because you got to tell people it's like it you know the whole cliche of it takes ten thousand hours. You've got to put that in, and that's behind closed doors. Yeah. A lot of people think the ten thousand hours is like okay. Well, maybe I start my band at two hundred hours. And then from 200 to 600 hours, it's like, no. Yeah. You know, all the best musicians I've ever known, there's like a certain amount of antisocialness to them uh, <laughs> yeah. because it, you, you have true. to sit by yourself for so many hours doing something you suck at. Like, you're not going to get better by doing what you can naturally do, you know, without thinking. You have yeah. to you get better by uh, hammering out those things that are unnatural, that you have to, you know, sit in the lab, as the rapper says, you know, and actually tinker and play. And sometimes the experiment blows up in your face. And sometimes it crystallizes in a way that you didn't intend. Yeah. So now you have to, like, figure out how how do I control the process, you know? Well, I think a lot of that is where, again, that ego comes in. Is Some of them don't see their potential. And they think mm. where they're at is good. And it's not it's not their best. You're never going to be your best. You have to keep trying. Mm. You know, I mean, John Rubin is a phenomenal drummer. My nephew is an amazing drummer, but they both know they can get better all the time, which is why they do get better because they mm. keep trying. So, I mean, that goes that goes for anything, you know, from photography to podcasting to mm-hmm. drumming. So. You have to have an editor. Yeah. You have to, like, writing everything. You have mm-hmm. to have a good editor that can say... This, like, so you wrote a page of words, three sentences are good. All the rest of it is complete shit. Like, completely, just don't even, just delete all of that and go to the three sentences and start over, you know? And I think it's, oh, is that the heater kicked on? Yeah. All right. Pausing. Okay. All right. I I threw a pause in there. Um, the the heater should kick off here in just a second. And I always hate that because I felt like we were in a pretty good little little back and forth. Oh, it's gone and then it's like, <laughs> bonk, and it's like completely kills it. Do you remember where we were at? We were talking about music. We were talking about and uh, ego and how it restricts ooh, ooh. your ability to get better. Yes. And like part of you have to be able to eliminate. Like you need 
uh, an external mm -hmm. eliminator. You have to have somebody, and that's why I think like marriage has been so helpful to me is because I have a person who air quotes loves me, She's but kind of hates me. You know what I'm saying? Like part part of the part of the partnership yeah. is she she has to. You know, you can only be so much of a fan of your spouse, you know? Like, they need you to, to hate them a little bit. Or, That's or, when you know they, that, that it's real love. Mm -hmm. Like, if they're willing to stick around. Exactly. Even though they're like, they're like, look, <laughs> this is annoying the hell out of me. You've got to stop it. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, thank you for telling me that. Because, you know, we've all been in those friendships where yeah. they annoy the hell out of you. But you don't feel like you actually know them well enough to be able to tell them the truth. Because they would fly off the handle. Because that, yeah. Then, they, then, oh, I guess we're not friends. When it's like, no, that's when you actually know your friends. When you can tell the truth to them, you yeah, know. Stop being a dumbass. Stop being a dumbass. <laughs> I love you, but stop. And that's why like moms are so important. I think you know because they'll tell you to stop being a dumbass. They will, mm -hmm. and they and they're like, stop embarrassing me. Yeah. Because I'm your mother, you know. It's like continually tied to that you that's know? the problem with ego if you have the ego no matter what if someone tells you that you take it too personally mm. and you think it's their problem not yours right yeah it it's like a what do they say whenever like something bothers you about somebody else typically it's it's like what bothers you you're about yourself you're yeah, projecting absolutely. it onto them and saying you are this and it's just a way of shifting blame instead of like, or deflecting blame maybe would oh, be yeah. a better I word. I mean, I, I'm guilty. We're all guilty of it. Oh, yeah. And I, as you get older, you start to realize that. So when you get mad about something, you go, hold on a second. Why am I actually mad? Yeah. Or why am I jealous about this? And when you're with somebody that you know truly loves you, mm -hmm. you know that's not it. It's not that they don't like me. Because they actually really love me. Mm -hmm. So if they're telling me this, you know, you, it's harder to, to dodge out of the way of like, of that. That's pretty crazy. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So all, all based off of uh, negative experiences in the recording booth. Mm -hmm. So did you enjoy the job? Just not the, just not the people you were working with? Or was it partially like being cooped up in a dark room, lit like hammering out the same thing over and like the no, monotony of it. I hated the job. I remember being in school and asking myself why. Mm. Why am I doing this? And then uh, oh, what's his name? He's in Dumb and Dumber. Is it Jeff Daniels? Mm -hmm. He comes in to the um, to the school and he's giving his son a tour because oh. he thinks, oh my son wants to do this. I was like, no man. You're rich. You don't have to do this. You like, don't have to do just get him into, you know people, get him into a studio. This is the biggest waste of money. And I honestly think most recording studios are kind of, or schools are mm -hmm. kind of a waste of money. Because I think, let me think. Two, so there's 12 people in each class. And two people from our class are still in the business. Oh. And it's... It's just they put stars in your eyes and they tell you you're going to succeed and then they send you out into the world without the realistic expectations and you, you fail because it's a hard job. It really is, especially, you know, at the beginning because they give you the shittiest work possible. And it's like, how do you... It's, it's interesting because there is an art form to sound engineering, but it's like uh, people giving you like the cheapest paint and saying mm -hmm. be a painter mm -hmm. 
You know, it's like, well, shit. You know, I'm not sure I can make a, a masterpiece yeah. with, you know, these cheap paints, you know? I mean, it taught me a lot. I, I'm grateful for my time. I'm not grateful for the student debt, but... Oof. Yeah, it's still, uh, it's still there. Uh, and I don't even use it, but... Um, I mean, I learned how to work hard and, you know, troubleshoot and things like that. So it's it was a good experience, and I am grateful for it. What was it like living in Austin? Did you did you find that, uh, or just I guess leave it at that? What was it like living in I Austin? I mean, it's it's changed. So I lived there only for two years, two thousand six to two thousand late two thousand eight, and um, it was still weird. It was still just the mm. end of weird Austin. Um, it was livable. Before corporate. Yeah, it was livable. You know, I had a one bedroom apartment really close to downtown, and it was eight hundred a month. Last time I checked, it was 1600 a month for that same apartment. Dang. Um, you could walk the streets and you didn't feel like you had to be cool. You didn't feel like you had to be anything. You could be who you were and it was totally accepted. And we actually considered moving back not that long ago. And we would go down and spend, you know, a few days and kind of check it out. And we were sitting at Cheer Up Charlie's, which is a club on the east side. And... I just looked around me and I said, this isn't Austin anymore. It's too cool. Like you mm. could tell people were paying attention to the people around them. Ooh. And that's not what Austin is. Yeah. It is now, but I don't know. I mean, it's still cool. I like to go down there and my brother and his little family live down there and oh, it's, nice. it's a fantastic chance to go visit and it's always going to have a little, little piece of my heart, but... Amarillo is where it's at. Okay. Yeah. So. Nice. Okay. Well, that's that's later on in the in okay. the interview. So do yeah. not jump. Okay. You know? Okay. I've had this problem. Because you know we're excited to talk about Amarillo. Yeah. I've had this problem with guests where they jump around my notes. Like they don't even know. You know? And it's like, yeah, come on. Tuning into the notes. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely have. I definitely have that in there. Um, so you come back to Amarillo mm-hmm. from Austin. Mm-hmm. What is, what's that? movement like is it is it a uh does it feel like a retreat did you feel like you were retreating back to Amarillo or were you um fleeing back to Amarillo you know like what like what was your mindset <laughs> like word. leaving Austin uh I came back for the wrong reasons I came back because you know I, I broke up with someone in Austin and instead of just staying and saying fuck it I'm gonna do this on my own I came back because there was someone here and um that didn't obviously work out for good reason because um, I met John Rubin, so it, it's great. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I came back and didn't really know what I was doing, and I got really lucky that I kind of fell back in with some old friends that were artists and met new people that were artists. Uh, I got to know... What year was this? This is 2008. 2008. So... I, you know, I was pretty lost, and all all of a sudden, I went from being in Austin, where I don't care what other people think about me, to being in Amarillo, where I was consumed by what what do they see, what are they thinking about me, and it, it's a very Amarillo mentality, which is something we need to work on, and it is getting better. But I I would go to the bar, and I just wanted to like sit by myself and read a book and enjoy some alone time, and you don't do that here. That's weird. It's considered mm. weird. And I wasn't used to that going from Phoenix to Austin and back. So I suddenly fell back into this, like, 
God, what do people think about me? Am I weird? Uh, which now, yeah, I am and I love it. But then I fell into the weird group of people that accepted each other for who they are. And it was, you know, Jacob Breeden and George Ingalls and just these amazing artists, Marty Lemons, who, you know, rest his soul, was one of the first people to push me into art. Mm. Um, and we would always meet, you know, at this um, Friday morning breakfast. And it was older artists mixed with a few younger artists. And the older ones were like, fuck it, do what you want, fuck what they think, you are who you are, fucking be weird. And that that was the push I needed to start to discover who I am and be comfortable in that. Mm, it's like an invitation to be yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. And... You know, I had uh, Marty one one night. We were at a party, and I just kind of started learning a camera. And he he was a photographer and a painter and just an amazing artist. And I was kind of showing some doubt in myself. And we'd probably been drinking a little bit. And he he yelled at me and he said, "You're a fucking artist, and you need to fucking believe it." And he's huge. This guy was massive mm. and very intimidating. And uh, that was that was the moment where I was like, "Oh shit! Okay, all right, fine. Okay, I'll I'll do this, mm. and I'll, I'll let myself go." And when Marty passed away, Jacob Breeden kind of gave a, a eulogy at his service and said, "Create art that scares you." And I will never ever forget that because I I started to look into what makes me uncomfortable, and to use that to make art with. What was he meaning when he was saying you're an artist? Because at that point, I'm imagining you said you're just learning the camera. Mm -hmm. Are you like writing or like what? When it, whenever he's saying you're an artist, is he just saying you're weird? No, or is I he, think like what was he? What, he was saw he... that. I think we probably had a discussion that photography isn't art mm. because for a long time and still a little bit, I I think photography is not as much of an art as say painting or sculpture and I think that probably pissed him off and I wasn't at that time I wasn't you know doing any portrait photography or any any commercial stuff and he saw that I wanted to capture things using photography that would make people talk or make people uncomfortable and he saw that as an art form mm. so he was just reminding me of that really so have you done anything with film do you mess around with film? It's been a long time. I used to. I've got a few old film cameras that are still calling my name, but it's been a long time. Yeah, that's um, one of one of the things. You know, granted, just picking up a digital camera, like it, it's kind of it. There's a little bit of a point and shoot aspect, and mm -hmm. uh, it, there's uh, a little bit of a. There's not that initial mm, technical learning like that limitation mm -hmm. so there's a lot of people picking up digital cameras where there weren't very many people picking up like back when you had to develop your own film and stuff it's kind of like yeah you have to really decide hey i'm gonna put in the time and effort to like learn this thing I, so you know? I started in film so oh okay i think that's what helped yeah yeah you know, i started in <laughs> at glamour shots <laughs> oh really places. yeah so we had to learn uh you know of course dark room and how to uh -huh. develop things uh-huh um, and that was in the transition of digital. So mm. we were doing both at the same time. 
So I think I was able to get to know my camera better because of that. Well, and, and all of that, that to say, um, there is like, so you can give four people the same camera and give them the same area to shoot. And you can tell instantly, okay, this person has an eye. This person does not have an eye. Or they you just know? have different eyes. Or they just have different eyes. True. True. Mm-hmm. Like me, I don't have an eye. My wife, anytime I like try to take pictures and stuff, I don't, you know, framing and lining stuff up. Mm-hmm. And my wife's always mad at me because she's like, hey, take a picture of me. And I take a picture. And she's like, there's a cup right <laughs> in like the middle. It's break, like it's in the middle, you know. I'm like I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just like because I'm a point and shoot. I'm not yeah, a what's in front of you. Yeah, I'm not a photographer, you know. Um, but how? So how did you develop? Did you nat? Do you feel like you naturally had an eye, like naturally were lining shit up, or do you feel like um, the same way, like with sound engineering, that you like uh, developed the? I mean, the you're eye? gonna develop in anything. Um, I was told that I had the eye Mm. and I think that's just comes from and I'm not like OCD or anything but I think it comes from certain brains want things to line up a certain way and that's how my brain is I want things you know equal spaces or for it to all kind of balance together and that's that's just how I shot Mm. photography and that was you know someone pointed out yeah no you you're lining things up here and there and it looks like you get it I don't know that get it meant at yeah. the time, but you know, sure, yeah, I, why not? Whenever I was talking to Gunnar Wadowski, that's what he said is he was like, he was like, yeah, I'm always like, even if I don't have a camera, I'm, I'm like shifting my, like my position to like, yeah. like create a frame. And I'm like, dude, I, I'm completely opposite. You and you'll, you'll see that in a photographer's house. I mean, there's going to be blank space and there's going to be things exactly where they're supposed to be. Mm. It's not like we're trying to make our house Instagrammable. We just feel better. <laughs> it is funny, like walking walking into like Gunner's house mm-hmm. or even like Keegan's house the other night. Mm-hmm. It's like I look around. I'm like, am I being posed? Like, am I being staged? Like that bookshelf, <laughs> that bookshelf in their living room. Yeah. Oh, the Did whole you? time I just kept staring at it. Yeah, it was so nice. See, and I, I, it was bothering me because really, I, yeah, I like the spines. Oh, see, I like, I like that they turned it. The other I know. Way. Well, and that that's actually it was interesting because you know there's some people that just um, like they create conversation, you know, and I feel like that's how McCabry is like. Mm-hmm. Her house just creates conversation. She could have put the books up like normal, mm-hmm. but she chooses to put the books up backwards. And even if she didn't have, which I know she, I'm sure she had a purpose, you know, in, in Oh, that. yeah. I mean, the colors and the lines. Right, right. Sure. But it just created conversation. Like everybody, like it walked in and everybody kind of, um, conversation. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. let's talk. We've got to talk about this, you I know. Mean, that's, you know, Keegan and McCabry, then. Mm-hmm. They just, they're very visually concentrated people, like, and not in a shallow way, oh, but yeah, in no. an artistic mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah, their their house is one of my favorites. You know, to, to say, or to, like, rabbit hole off of that a little bit, uh, I was talking, well, I was talking with, my, with Shannon the other day, and we were talking about how somebody, you know, whenever people start getting in these uh, kicks, like fitness kicks, and they, their Instagram starts to shift. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ooh, look at my ass. Ooh, look at my tricep. Look how fit ooh, I am. Ooh, look at this. <laughs> look at this. And it, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny because 
you know, different people get on different kicks. And hey, you know what? I'm all about fitness. I'm yeah. all about health. Like if if that's going to get you to work out, then hey, use it. You know, it's a it's not hurting anybody. Hell yeah, you do you. You do for you. Sure. Um, but it is interesting because whenever you see people start getting into like a. Ah, you said the term woke earlier when they start, you know, their Instagram starts to become less about them and more about their environment, Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting, you know, like uh, how a mental shift can be uh, represented. That's not the right word, but expressed Mm -hmm. um, through like what you're looking at and what you're wanting other people to see about yourself. You know, it's not necessarily... uh, Vain, which I mean, sometimes when you're taking a picture of your ass, it's pretty <laughs> vain. I mean, that's that's fine too, though. Show yeah. Your, I mean, if you're proud of that ass, I mean, show that ass. Yeah, show that ass. Uh, more people should be proud of their asses, yeah. you know. Oh, I mean, yeah. especially it, if they work for it. I yeah. Mean, damn, I don't work for it. That's true. So I'm not showing my ass. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> if you if you well, and it is it is cool because it it does show like social media is really good about like showing what somebody's really paying attention to mm-hmm. or what they're really like focused on you know I, that was a little bit of a uh, side i'm not exactly sure where i was going with that <laughs> but but it, it is just kind of funny like whenever you see somebody like get on a kick and yeah. and it's cool whenever you see artists and it, it's like okay i'm not sure what they're trying to do but you can tell they're trying to do something mm-hmm. and it's almost inspiring even if they're not trying to make money or trying to do but they're they position their couches and they snap an artistic picture of their couches artistically placed. It's like, damn, there's, I don't really care about their couches, but for some reason, this like picture is like yeah. inspiring me. They I don't knew, know. they knew what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. they, yeah, that intention, it's almost, it shows a professionalism, mm-hmm. like, like with photography, like with these different things, like there's almost like your product that you, project says a lot about like the person that you currently are maybe i don't know maybe no yeah i think i haven't really thought about that but that is kind of an interesting perspective because i i noticed that i have started posting more photos that are downtown amarillo Mm -hmm. which i know that my attention has shifted to downtown amarillo i mean i work there i play there Mm -hmm. that's my life now so yeah, that is that's pretty interesting to kind of see, um, and you know, same thing with friends that have gotten into fitness. That that's their life and that's their obsession, which is phenomenal. Yeah. I wish I was that way. <laughs> I don't have it for some reason. Fitness is not my thing. You just haven't found your thing yet. Like, I don't that's know the, what my thing would be. Well, see, that's that's the hardest part about fitness, and that's one of the things like. Um, I love like I hate that all the gyms open up and they're the exact same gym. It's just cop, you know, copies of the exact same gym, where you have all these different options like rock climbing, jujitsu, or different martial arts. Mm-hmm. Like, there's all these different options of things you can do that aren't. They're more play than fitness. Yeah. Fitness is a result of the play. Like yeah. that's one of the reasons I always liked rock climbing, because the the route that I pick that stumps me. Yeah. The only thing stopping me from getting to the top of that is how many times I try. And then, hey, I might realize I weigh too much. So I might change the way I eat Mm -hmm. so that I can get to the top. But then once I get to the top of that, it opens up, like the world continues, you know, it's like a a ray. 
the it starts to open up more and more and more and more and you realize that there is no top yeah there is no ceiling in this thing like i can improve exponentially for the rest of my life in this and i will still have room to improve you know it's like an inspiring and that's for me at least that's what and like running i've been doing some running and stuff and that's one of the things that it's like can i go further can i go faster can i feel better at the end you know like there's all these different you know benchmarks that you can measure success and all of them uh it's i guess it's all dependent on how much fun you're having Mm -hmm. so then whenever somebody says hey you've got to start working on your fitness but then they 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 show you something that's not fun to yeah. do. It's like okay, I why do I care about my fitness if I'm not having fun doing it? You know? Yeah, and I I know I know that's key because I know I'm not a gym person. I don't like gyms. Um, rock climbing, I did enjoy. Mm. I mean, I you know I guess that would be considered its own gym. Mm-hmm. Um, Jiu jitsu, my brother does. Oh and really? He just got his purple belt. The brother in Austin. Yeah, yeah. Cool. so I've considered that, but I don't know if I want to roll with people. That's a very intimate sport. You know, uh, Lone Star mm-hmm. Jiu-Jitsu. There's, well, Talis Horta is the professor, like mm-hmm. the main guy. Um, but whenever I went and rolled one day, uh, rolled with this girl named Cheyenne. She choked me out. She's yeah. <laughs> way smaller than me. I mean, yeah, um, size is size is not. But that that was one of the things that was super cool is like talking to her. Is she's get more girls in here. Like we need yeah. more girls in here. And I mean, honestly, there is nothing else. I I feel like now I'm not a female, so I I can't really you know. I'll tell you completely okay. speak. To, but I feel like if a girl knows, I can snap this dude's arm. That would give so much more confidence. Oh man, to, that would be so empowering. You know, it's yeah. like I know I can, I can protect myself. Mm-hmm. I don't need anybody else. I don't need the state to protect me. I don't need mm-hmm. a man to protect me. Like I can protect myself. I can take care of myself. Yeah, you I know? can fucking do that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. my brother. So my brother's got a little girl who's about to be two, and he's he's determined to teach her jujitsu. Oh yeah, you know, or any martial arts really. Mm-hmm. I feel sure. like any. I feel like every kid mm-hmm. should learn a martial art just i mean it's a great way to exercise control it's a great way to get that stress and anger out i mean it's it's brilliant i think mm-hmm. i think i should do it i definitely think about it a lot i'm just it's so one-on-one contact mm. that i'm a very uh i've got my my space so yeah that's interesting yeah you definitely you get up in each other's grill, mm-hmm. like right there. You know, it's definitely yeah. a, the first time my brother told me that they have like a special body wash because I guess you could probably get something pretty gross. Oh in yeah. yeah, oh yeah. I, I wrestled in high school, and uh, I got this like weird thing coming up in my in my hair. I was washing my hair that night, and I like felt I was like, wow, that's weird. And so I went to the doctor, and it ended up being a weird thing, bacteria thing, and. In especially in wrestling, in all mat cultures, mm-hmm. the cleanliness of the mats, cleanliness of yourself, all of those things yeah. are paramount because something like that, you you know, it's it's almost going to happen. Yeah. But there's all these different things you can do to like prevent it. And granted, I was like not educated on the whole thing. It was early in in my wrestling career, and but yeah, it's it's crazy. Like. <laughs> That's, that is, is gross. skin on skin contact. Yeah, right there. It, it definitely is. You're all you're all in each other. But okay, well let's see here. Where are we at? Uh, we 
kind of talked into getting into photography. Okay, short ear dog. Mm -hmm. When did you start that? Was that once you were in Amarillo and you were kind of on this like artistic journey? Um, I, st I actually started with Fluff Bomb. Fluff Bomb? Yeah, Fluff Bomb. It was, uh, you know those word magnets and you make sentences? Uh -huh. I walked into the kitchen one day and Fluff and Bomb had been put next to each other. And my cat at the time, I would just call her Fluff Bomb. And uh -huh. then FluffBomb.com was fun to say. Ooh, so I said, that yeah, is fun to say. Yeah, fuck it, I'll just be Fluff Bomb. And I did that for a long time and it just didn't... It didn't seem professional, not that I take myself seriously, but it was just kind of silly. And then, um, so I decided it was time to rebrand probably a couple years ago. So Now, did Topher do your... He did. Yeah. He did. It's it's kind of funny because I, I saw the your logo mm -hmm. a long time ago. And then now I've been following Topher on Instagram. It's very much his style. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was kind of because, uh, you know, researching for this... Uh, it was the first time I've like looked at the mm -hmm. the uh, brand, yeah. you know, and I was like, I, that's I bet that was Topher did that. I for. just didn't want something that was cutesy or boring or outdated. And you know, working in the marketing world, I'm very aware of brand imaging, mm -hmm. and I just I didn't want to be boring. And I know it's not necessarily a very simple, clean image, <clears throat> but for me, it's it's perfect for for my brand. I'm not um, I'm not that much of a portrait photographer. I'm not a wedding photographer. Mm. You know, I don't need to be pretty. I love architecture. I love food. I love um, branding things like that. Um, advertising photography. Mm. So, and then of course I love abandoned buildings and just going out into our high plains and taking photos. So I felt like that image that he put together was spot on yeah there's some depth to it yeah right? even though a short-eared dog is actually a i believe it's a south american to central american animal mm. but i i thought it was you know it's not a fox because foxes are unfortunately very over branded right now mm. um, but it's that's my kind of animal like I yeah love that that small canine it is kind of interesting like I, i've been kind of playing around with like some different ideas for brands or whatever mm -hmm. make t-shirts and stuff and you start thinking you're like okay well i'm on the high plains so i kind of want to go in that and then you start like looking and it's oh that's been done oh that's been yeah. oh tumbleweed beat to death this beat to death beat beat to, you know and like you just start scrolling through yeah. and it's like damn dude like everything's been beat to death like we got really time. lucky with sad monkey media i know there's another there's a sad monkey i don't know if it's like plumbing or electrical or something like that but Daniel and Baker did a great job at, you know, embracing the Sad Monkey Railroad mm. from our childhood and turning it into something a little more modern. And it's it's kind of a shocking juxtaposition to think of a media company that's supposed to be bright and happy and energetic and it's Sad Monkey. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really cool. But yeah, it is. It's hard to find anything in this area that hasn't been overused. And you can't use Sod Poodle. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. It's, it's been branded. Didn't even know that was a thing, yeah. honestly. <laughs> I didn't either. It was like Sod Poodle. It was just so funny to yeah. me. Like, what, how do you feel about that name? You know, I was I was team Sod Poodle. Uh, unfortunately, somebody actually bought it before the baseball team. They bought the rights. Oh. So Sod Poodle's not happening. Unless, Is it not? Unless they bought it. But I, we find out today, actually. Oh, That's no really exciting. I didn't know that. I totally forgot. Um, so we find out today, um, 
what our name is, and I I don't think it's Sod Poodle, but I think it's going to be pretty close. Is it one of the five, though? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. They switched off of that. It's going to... I think it's going to be a variation of Sod Poodle. Okay. So. Cool. Yeah, I was thinking, like, you know, Prairie Dog... Like the Amarillo Prairie Dogs or something like that. Like that's cool. I I really like Prairie Dogs. I think you're you know? pretty close to what it's gonna. Is be. it? Yeah. yeah. Cool. I don't want to. I don't want to guess and guess it wrong and people will be like, "Oh, she's a dumb." She's like dumb. <laughs> <laughs> wrong. I think I think I know what it's gonna be. Good. Good. Well, that, that's fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to the baseball stadium happening. I don't even like and, baseball, and I'm um, excited. I don't mind baseball as long as the beer is properly priced. You know, to where I can like kind of get a little bit of a of a outfield buzz on. Yeah. You know, like that's it's not just water. Yeah, that's yeah. key. You know, like for me, enjoyment with baseball coincides with how drunk I can get while I'm watching the game. That's fair. You know, like yeah. if if my wife has to like help me to the Uber that we're gonna take home, then it was a successful game. <laughs> you know, like other than that, I mean, typically I don't even care. Yeah. Like, I mean, I like seeing a ball hit with a bat that's kind of cathartic sometimes yeah. I like seeing guys slide into bases you I know think that's it's the thing exciting with sports though i mean I, I know this isn't for everybody but for me the only way i enjoy it is if i'm there mm. i don't really like watching sports on tv it's not my thing yeah i'm not mad that people enjoy it like awesome i'm glad they have their thing but i don't know i never got it but you know if i go to a game because my five nieces and nephews all played sports oh yeah and I mean, that's, you know, middle school, high school, it's not good, but it's still exciting. When you have something invested. Yeah. Because you're like, I know these kids, you yeah. know? Yeah, or if you go to a live game, you know, even if you're not invested, you kind of get caught up in the excitement and then you decide, okay, fuck it, I'm going to pick that team. Yeah, I'm the gonna atmosphere, go that like yeah. the atmosphere kind of like drives. Yeah, and then you get beer in you and it's mm-hmm. even better. Yeah. So. Yeah, some good beer, some maybe some six car. Yeah, are they gonna provide beer for? I certainly hope so. That'd be pretty cool. I really hope so. And Pondicetta and then Longwood and Spoon. I know we've got plenty to choose from. We're getting there. We're getting there as a little community. We're gonna be a coffee city, a beer city, a food city. So hopefully. Yeah, it's happening. It's happening. Amarillo's getting there. (laughs) Let's see. Okay, so yeah, sad, sad monkey media. Mm -hmm. Um. You're the social media director. Mm-hmm. So these are some of the questions I was going to ask you because we're from the cusp generation, I feel like. Yeah. like uh, I remember Instant Messenger was like my first um, digital, you know, social whatever where you can talk to multiple people mm-hmm. at the same time. You got all your little windows open. Got to keep track, you know, of who you were. Mm-hmm. Like who you're talking to, can't yeah. say the wrong thing to the wrong person. Yeah. Think you know, that got me in trouble a couple of times. You know, like, yeah. Oh my god, I did that. You know, like then you're all worried. Uh, it's crazy. But so, do you remember the world before social media? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm 34, so yeah, I'm I'm that millennial, but not quite millennial. Mm-hmm. I remember the internet coming to school, and I remember, you know, flip phone. That you could smash against the wall and it would still work. Perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I re- I remember the first time I heard about Facebook, I was so confused, and I thought it actually was a book of faces. Mm. <laughs> I was like, who would make that? Like, That's such a weird. Why thing. is that so popular right now? But a friend of mine who was in college at the time, she was like, no, Facebook is how we all kind of like keep up with each other on campus. And I was not impressed at all. Mm. Were you MySpace? Did you do MySpace? I did. I did have MySpace when I moved. 
a little bit when I was in um, Austin and then when I moved back here. And when I moved back here in 2008, I got a Facebook. Mm. The rest is history. Yeah. And now I've wasted my life. I think that's about the same time I got Facebook was mm-hmm. 2008, 2009. And, yeah. And it was really a way to keep in touch with my friends that were going off to college. You know, mm-hmm. they were like, hey, this is a great way for us to like stay in contact or whatever. Yeah. Um, so do you feel like that is, does it allow you to be yourself? Like does, does social media create a more healthy uh, relation to the self or is it more of an unhealthy thing? I think there's different versions. I think what I do for work um, obviously is a business. You know, I do social media for different businesses. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's just about capturing the voice and um, each business is different in how they approach that. Six Car has been a really big learning experience because it's three owners Mm -hmm. with... Similar voices, but at the same time, you know, we want to make sure that the brewing side and the food side are both spoken for as well as just the culture of being downtown. Um, But working, we work with Colin mostly, and he's been amazing. Damn, that's interesting. I never really thought of, like, because they're so Mm complimentary. Like, good food is so complimentary to good beer. Right. That, but you don't think of... A brewer is very different than a chef. Oh, like I mean, they're just it's such different. a different process. Yeah. yeah, but they're both they're both so passionate. But you know, Chef Scott versus Grant, personality wise, everyone's really chill, but they're mm. all very different. Mm-hmm. So Colin's been kind of the middleman in that he he does a lot of the writing so that we get their voice in there and make sure that they're represented. But then, you know, of course, okay, so we've got these businesses, and and that's something you have to be kind of fine line with, you know, make sure that no one's alienated, but you're still capturing the business. Um, and then there's personal and personal is two different ways. You know, there can be personal social media that is very raw and is very much who they are. Um, a lot of people are driven away from that because it's, it's uncomfortable. Uh, it can be alienating, um, especially right now with such different political views. Mm-hmm. And then there is a social media that's a very polished um, product. It's almost it's almost a product. You know, mm-hmm. they put this out there, and I I understand that some of that is so that they can actually make a business out of it. Um, I guess like an influencer would be a very polished social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tend to be a little bit more personal on Facebook, and I've had people that are turned off by it um and it's more just so that i can reach out you know it's sure it's it's an outlet for me but it's also a way to say like hey we're all a little fucked up Mm -hmm. and i want you to know that just because you think a certain way doesn't mean that you're the only one that thinks that way we're all fucked up and we're all fucked up together Mm -hmm. we're all in this together and if you feel like you need to kill yourself then you need to call me if you feel like you hate yourself then hit me up and I'm going to tell you that we all feel that way, but you're still a wonderful and beautiful person. So Facebook tends to be that for me. And it's... See, because it, it, like, it seems like sometimes social media can uh, add to the, that feeling of uh, I'm worthless or I'm... You Alienation. Know? Because... Like if you post something on, which granted all of, I pretty much just use Facebook for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram, I use it to 
take videos of my kid and, you know, do that kind of stuff yeah. on my story and stuff. Um, but it's, it's mostly for the podcast as well. And it is kind of, it's kind of one of those things where you, you know, you post something to a platform and you think everybody's going to see this and people get to choose to like it or choose to not like it. And then, so you post it and then you check it and there's no likes. Oh, and then you check it again and there's no, and there's no likes. And then you check it again and it's like, it's like, man, it is it almost it's almost uh i feel like it's it's misleading because it feels like everybody's seeing this and people are choosing to ignore it but but almost like the the wizard behind the curtain side of it is no the wizard doesn't think you're interesting so yeah. he's not showing it to anybody you know I think or something that's where, like, like that working working on social media i understand the algorithms as much as i can so i know when I put something out there, I'm just putting it out there. There's a chance that the algorithm's going to hide it or, you know, it's the wrong time of day, so no one's going to see it. Mm. So I I'm not too connected to it. I know I have to I look at it a lot because that's what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. So I've I've been able to kind of disconnect from that, especially in the past few years of yeah, fuck it. If they see it, they do. If they don't, they don't. If it pisses someone off, I'm not out there to instigate. I'm not out there to upset or stoke any fires or divide anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, hey, here I am. That's one of the things that's interesting is like on Facebook, it seems like what pops up on my feed the most is political stuff. And so if mm-hmm. if I have a friend who says, um, wow, I'm really digging this new burger at Yellow City Street Food, it doesn't pop up. If I have a friend that says, hey, politics, politics, it pops up. And it, it's like super interesting and kind of crazy to me. Like I'm I'm wondering if it's like maybe like there's key words that are said. And it's like, okay, we're selecting this word in this area and this word was said and blah, blah, blah. And it's been, and you know, so I it's. Think, I think that's where the conspiracy theorist in, in me comes out. It's because I do kind of wonder about that too. I notice a lot that that's. Unfortunately, what's get what gets boosted more is things that seem a little bit more um, instigating. Mm. So. Oh my gosh. Is that you? That's yeah, not that's me. Mine. That's never good. Yeah, I'm actually gonna pause the podcast for okay. a second. Hey, my my apologies to the world. Uh, <laughs> my uncle Jonathan called. We were just speaking off mic about how like my phone is literally connected to every Apple device I own. So like. I get one phone call to my phone and everything rings. So that's why you heard like like six things ringing at also, the same Also, can we just take a second to point out that you talked to your uncle while taking a piss? Oh, yeah. That was magical. Yeah, that's standard operating procedure for that's me. That's family right there. My, my thing is I, I really wish that there would be like a destigmatization of – going to the bathroom because yeah. it's like you gotta do it we like to we like to imagine that nobody else does it like it's yeah, like okay yeah. this is i'm the only one that does this and it's like no like if if we we were talking about politics a little bit if we can unite on nothing else than the fact that we are biological machines that we all piss yeah we all have <laughs> exhaust yeah. you know <laughs> it's like we all kind of like to pretend like we don't exhaust you yeah. know like and and it seems like the uh, the uh, more 
the more feminine you are, the less you like to pretend like you no, you man. exhaust. When I, yeah, it's... My husband will tell you that <laughs> if of anybody he's met, I can fart the loudest. Mm. Definitely. I've heard some pretty pretty loud farts, so, so. We'll, maybe one day I'll I'll get <laughs> I'll I'll hear it and then I'll be able to tell you. I'm around a bunch of firemen though, okay. and those yeah. dudes. I they mean, they are something else. Yeah. I worked at a fire station. Really? Yeah, when I lived in South Carolina. Oh, really? My dad's That's a cool. firefighter. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was some of the meanest camaraderie I've ever seen. Mm. They love each other so much, but man, they're mean oh, to yeah. each other. Yeah, it's um, it's almost a failed day if somebody is not so mad that they mm-hmm. can't be around the group. Yeah. Like that that's how you judge success. It's like did we did somebody get so angry that they can't even And everyone else is laughing at him. Oh yeah, yeah. There was one time uh and he tells me all these stories. There was one time that they put X-lax in a guy's drink and then while he was on the toilet, they reached under, grabbed him out and dragged him down the hallway. <laughs> and I was like Oh, it gets weird sometimes. They do, yeah. I know it's nothing. Well, I mean, that's uh, it's you know, Shannon laughs about it being a fraternity. Oh, you know, and it's it's like literally, um, you may continue to age outside of the fire station, but inside the fire station, you remain, yeah, you remain a sub twenty year old male. Yeah. Um, forever. Mm -hmm. It's weird. You know, it's great. It is great. It's a it's a lot of fun, but. I'll tell you, whenever I've actually almost seen people pass out because they were trying to push out a fart to make it louder, you know, <laughs> like they almost, they almost like lose consciousness, oh, you know, it's, it uh, does not surprise me yeah, at all. So are you thinking of becoming a cop? Cause I see the mustache. No, it's no shave, no shave November. So you're shaving everything else but the mustache? I can't, I can't have a beard. Oh, okay. At, at the fire, like it. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Out of, uh, you know, for the mask. Yeah. The seal. That's what yeah. they claim. Even though like there's firefighters up in Colorado have beards. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're mask seal. So, hmm. but, uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's why November, typically if you see a fire truck, at least you'll see a couple of mustaches and typically bad mustaches mm-hmm. because guys who can grow good mustaches have mustaches Already, yeah. yeah they're 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 not they're not running away from it but i have noticed my 30 year old mustache is coming in better than any of my 20 year old mustaches yeah i think so, with age too, yeah this hair gets yeah, thicker and this hair gets thinner yeah supposedly i haven't gotten thinner up top yet yeah. but uh i could stand to get a little bit thinner up top i get like froed out sometimes it gets, it gets i mean you've seen john urban's hair oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Is, is he mexican is yeah, it? he's Puerto Rican. Mexican. Okay, Puerto Rican and Mexican. And Mexican. So I think it's I don't know if it's my my half me- my Mexican side or my white side. Oh, probably that, the Mexican side. Yeah, yeah, it gives me the nap, you know. It's but thick and kind yeah. of wavy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets. I've got the, it the Italian blood is my oh. my hair. So. Is that where you're predominantly from? Italian, German, and British. Have so you done the white. Have you done the uh, yeah. the ancestry? Yeah. Nice. So my dad doesn't know where he's from because he was kind of dropped on a doorstep slash found in a park wearing a diaper. So Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't really know. He knows that his dad was an old Amish man and his Mm. mom was a young prostitute. Oh. So. Wow. That's, yeah, that's my lineage. That is like the, that's the beginning of a novel right there. Yeah. Or like a fairy tale. One of the two. But we don't have names, so I can't. Go mm, can't look Dang. I just know crazy. that I'm mostly British and then Italian and German. Mm. 
Man, isn't that so crazy? Like lineage, like lineages. I was thinking about it earlier because, you know, it's like a so many things. Like I imagine them exploding out and like all these different possibilities going. Mm-hmm. But it's like with with uh, genetics, it's a it's a boiling down. Yeah. You know, like I have billions of great 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 grandfathers you know like there's a ton of them that have all like almost melted down into like me Mm -hmm. granted a a whole bunch of other people as well but you know it's kind of a weird process like a like a boiling down and a exploding out you know it's i mean most of us at this point are mutts so Uh oh but the american dream you know i I know they're the best dogs i've i've never paid for a dog in my life you know they're always rescue mixed litters and, and they're the best typically yeah i'm not a, i'm not a huge fan of breeding mm. kind of it is kind of weird it irks me a little bit we've yeah. got so many animals that why yeah yeah it is weird breeding you know and then yeah. making money off of making, their babies mm-hmm. it's kind of weird yeah it is weird Sorry to offend anybody, but it's kind of weird. It's weird. I don't think even... I think a breeder can't say that it's not weird. You they know? will defend it, for sure. They will defend it. My uh, my in-laws are... They're down at a ranch in Stephenville, and they're, they got registered Angus cows. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of crazy because none of them are eating cows. They're all breeding cows. Oh. You don't eat them. Yeah. So, like, they sell them at auctions to be breeder like breeding cows and they do flushes and it's like this really weird process that's kind of but um it's fun it's fun too you know like kind of being around you know they they breed for docility you know so i love cows these cows you just walk up to them and you know scratch your nose and you know they're big dogs big dogs yeah Yeah. a little dumber than dogs a little dumber but sweet yeah Yeah, sweet (laughs) oh let's jump back in here where are we at okay let's talk about vintage clothing a little bit okay how'd you get into that uh, that's just something I've done all my life. My mom and I would go to garage sales, um, flea markets, things like that. And then when I met my dad, he was really into it. Really? So he now he's retired. He's a retired firefighter. And he's a picker. Like, that's what he did. He goes to auctions and things like that. And uh, so that that's kind of, I guess, where I got it from was my parents. Mm. And then I just have such an appreciation for the craft that went into things, um, you know, pre-80s mm-hmm. some 80s but i just know like the clothes we buy now are throwaway when you say vintage what are you like what what is your definition of vintage well i mean technically anything 1997 actually now it's 1998 and before is considered vintage um i mean i love 90s 90s stuff because that's what i grew up with chances are if i find 90s and it fits me i'm gonna keep it mm. Um, but also 90s and 80s is what sells right now. So I kind of have to make the money doing that. But things I can find, you know, from way before that, I get really excited about. But they don't really sell. Mm. So it's a little tricky. It's harder to wear because women were tiny. Um, they were built differently. Shoes especially. Women's feet were a lot smaller back then. Um, and then, of course, with age, it's it's a lot more fragile. So it's harder to wear. But... I have a shopping problem. I am aware of this. Mm. So this is my way of being able to go out and get that fix and then turn around and sell it and make a profit. Oh, that's so. cool. Yeah. It's a, like a constructive way of like, um, it's like a mitigating a desire, mm-hmm. but still being constructive in it. 
Yeah. That's kind of what I feel like podcasting is for me. Like I really enjoy having conversations and you talking. Get to talk to people, yeah. And so it's like, hey, you know, I get to podcast and kind of kill two birds with one stone, you know? Yeah, you get your fix. Yeah, I get my fix. It's a, <laughs> so uh, where do you find most of these clothes? You said like garage sales? Um, and, I like to go to estate sales. It's oh, a little estates. creepy and a little sad mm. because you know why it's happening. They're dead. Or they've been moved to a home, yeah. which is real sucky. Which is pretty much like dying. Yeah, pretty much. So, you know, I kind of have to push that out of the way. And I don't actually like being around people in that setting because mm-hmm. they're a little pushy and everyone's there for the same reason because oh, yeah. they want everything. Um, so it's a little stressful. Like yeah, I don't enjoy Blood in it. the water. It's, it's kind of gross. Um, but, you know, I just kind of go into my own little world. And more often than not, I'm there for something that they aren't there for for now until the city gets bigger and people start doing it more. Um, or I like to go to other cities and go to their thrift stores because mm. you can usually find things you won't find here. Mm. So are you pretty much uh, strictly clothing or do you... Yeah, I do clothing mostly. Every now and then I'll find something. I've gotten into mugs because I have a mug problem. Uh, again. Yeah. So I was like, well, maybe if I start buying old mugs and selling those, that'll get that out of my system. Um, yeah, antiques... I, it's hard to sell antiques online because of the shipping costs. Oh, yeah. So if I find an antique that I'm obsessed with, it's it's for myself. Nice. So where all... You have an Etsy? Mm-hmm. So is it uh, Timble and... Tibble and Pim. Tibble and Tibble Pim. and Pim, I'm pretty sure. And that's on Etsy? Mm-hmm. Um, so where... I saw the other day on Instagram, you posted like one's going to Canada, mm-hmm. one was going to California, mm-hmm. maybe? I mean, I've shipped... To France, Norway, Australia, Russia. I've shipped wow. to everywhere. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. It's crazy to imagine that, you know, all over the world, people are looking into the same monitors mm-hmm. and getting onto the same websites and, you know. And they're looking for anything. I mean, I actually shipped a pair of denim boots, full-on cowboy boots made of denim. Hmm. to fashion week and it was a it was an actual um, denim designer and they wanted it for their outfit wow you never know what you're gonna sell i've sold things that i thought there's no way anyone wants this and then someone in france is like hell yeah i want that that's (laughs) ugly as hell (laughs) they're like going out of their like it it's funny because they're trying to be um they're trying to find their style mm-hmm. but where they're finding their style is in Amarillo, texas it's mm-hmm. kind of a that's an interesting yeah you never know you never know um so that kind of answers my next questions which was like who's buying it yeah is everybody Anything. anywhere all over the world yeah and do they are they typically looking for like is the like designer name like was was is the oh, name big or is time. it just the look of it i mean i sold a christian dior fur coat obviously christian dior sold it because she um they had the uh christian dior lining that actually had the the name embroidered throughout the entire lining Ooh. and that is what sold the jacket was the name so but you sold a christian dior dior, dior jacket mm-hmm. to Christian Dior? No, to a, a collector in Florida. Oh. And oh. she she collects Christian Dior. Wow. So it was that was a big process. That was a thousand dollar jacket. What? Yeah. How'd you where'd you find that at? Estate sale. No. Perfect condition. How much was the I paid probably a little over two hundred for it. Wow. So they knew what they had. Mm-hmm. They were kinda like, 
this is the shit. Yeah, but then I also knew that someone else, especially a collector, is going to pay more. Wow. So, But then I sell things like, you know, a few weeks ago I sold a, an old 90s um, teacher cardigan, like with the ABCs and pencils and stuff, painted all over it with puff paint. Yeah. So, And that was not a brand. It was just really tacky and yeah. someone wanted it. So you just never know. Isn't it so funny Like think back, like, you know, teachers... Teachers never realize that they're dressing like teachers at the time. Yeah. But they they look like teachers. Oh, yeah. It's just like, hey, look, in ten years, you're gonna be outdated and look like you're tacky. You but know. Someone's gonna love it. Someone's gonna love it. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, like, if I had known in the '90s what I had, I would have kept every bit of it because I don't know what I was thinking, but I've gotten rid of so many band T-shirts, mm. and all of my Marilyn Manson shirts uh. are now three hundred dollars. For a 90s Marilyn Manson shirt. Whoa. $300. I've got some Nirvana ones that I've held on to. And they're about three to $500. What? But I don't want to get rid of them. Yeah, you got to keep those. Yeah. Would you have gotten rid of the Marilyn Manson ones? Are you are you still a Marilyn oh, Manson fan? I love Marilyn Manson. That's why I don't know what, at what point in my life I thought, oh, I don't need mm. this. Yeah. I've never not liked Marilyn Manson. That's weird. So. That's weird that... Well, and I mean, I've... It's it's a struggle. It's a struggle because I've kind of gone through the same thing where I I have like a sentimental attachment to a t-shirt, but shan't you know my wife's like you look like an idiot in that t-shirt you know, and so it's kind of like one of those things where it's like you know there's constantly like going back and forth on is this cluttering my life? Is this mm-hmm. cluttering my mind? Is it cluttering my house? Or is there some sort of a value to it, you know, more value to it than what I'm just projecting onto it, you know, yeah. or something like that? Because you never know. I mean, you never know. I, I'm pretty good at getting rid of, especially with John Urban around, he's very pushy. It's like, get rid of it, get rid of it. So I've gotten better at getting rid of things, but, you know, there are moments that I'm like, damn, I got rid of things that I really miss. Mm. And it's mostly band t-shirts. For yeah. Because I'm a music fanatic, so. Yeah. So... What, how do you listen to music these days? Do you listen? Well, are you Spotify? I'm a Spotify, you, yeah. yeah. Because it's just, you know, you can make your own playlist, which I'm actually working on my ultimate playlist of 10,000 songs. What? Yeah. So anytime you see on my Facebook when I post those top 10 posts, like what's your top 10 uh-huh. favorite female musicians or whatever, that's me kind of reaching out to see, you know, what can I add to my list that I may have forgotten about. 10,000 10,000 is your limit on Spotify. Really? So I want to reach the limit. Wow. And it's, I'm only at like 800 songs. So I've got a long way to go. Golly. Yeah. 10,000. Yeah. Where do they store that? Do they have a mainframe? Like oh, I'm a sp- sure it's just. Just ridiculous. Beyond just, our comprehension. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that is wild. Uh, have you listened to any Jeff's playlists for that he makes for. Um, I mean, I listen to him at, at. Yeah. Him events but yeah that guy his music taste is dude it's pretty amazing uh, yeah he's got like a very eclectic taste and almost like every different style of music it's kind of which is what yeah i appreciate that's what i try and do with my playlist is you know i love anything from 50s 60s up to some 80s pop 90s country and then you know some modern rock i'm definitely Mm. not like a rock on a weight type person yeah it's interesting how like and I, I, I wonder if it's just the nature of corporate America or corporate world that you it's like something interesting happens, something unique and new and novel. And then it's like 
instantly you send it back to the laboratory, you chop it up, you figure out why people like it, what is this, and then you figure out how to reassemble it and just mass produce it, you know, and it kind of explodes And that's how you up. get Nickelback. Yeah, Nickelback, <laughs> man. Poor guys. Like, I know, I know. I remember when they first came out. Uh, what's that? It's not like you to say sorry. I can't remember what the that? name of the... That was the first one. Yeah, oh, okay. that was them. Okay. Um, and I remember the video and stuff, and like instantly I was kind of like, eee, these dudes are kind of cheesy. But then they were like the number one band from 2000 to 2010. Because they had a formula. They had a formula. Yeah, like that was the thing we talked about in audio school. They would take Nickelback songs and put them on top of each other, and it was the same oh, man. formula for each song. Wow. It was really weird, yeah. That is weird. But people eat it up, man. Yeah, people do. They want to almost... It's a comforting thing sometimes. Like, yeah. music can either... Like, in, in real music... Like, music that has stayed with me for a long time, it takes time for me to get into it. Mm-hmm. Like, typically the songs... Like, other than Dave Matthews' band. I always love Dave Matthews' band. That's and, your band. And, well, he's he's one of, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just like... I mean, I growing up, 2000s, I mean, yeah. that's like kind of my coming of age, you know, was 2000 to 2010. So are you into like, jam bands? Is that kind of your... I do like, like jam bands okay. as well. Okay. One, I just like... Because I, I like the... Well, and like smooth taste, you know? Like they, they've got like a jam band feel to yeah. them, you know? Whereas like Mount Ivy, I could, actually haven't gotten to see Mount Ivy live yet. They Yeah, they're very um, spacey. Yeah. I and I, I hope I'm not offending them when I say, yeah, they're a little more, you know, out there in, in outer space, whereas, you know, Smooth Taste is a little bit more like the 70s feel, the stoner rock. It's like a difference between a, a jumpsuit and a tie-dye shirt. Yeah, yeah. You know, something like that, you know. Yeah. But sometimes, and and I actually really like the, the space suit. Like, I like the... Uh, going on a trip with the band mm-hmm. and the music, but at the same time, there's sometimes when Roger's like uh, a bassist just to be, you know, plucking around and kind of feeling, you know, and yeah. a drummer kind, you know, I mean, just, You're just just kind of going at it, back you know? and letting them go on. An yeah, but I, I don't, I can't necessarily say if I'm into like typically like right now I'm into more rap. I'm into mm-hmm. more uh, more rap music, but uh, there will always be a special place in my heart for like Dave Matthews Band. But all that to say that. You know, like Wilco, and that there, there's been these other bands that, like, the first time I listen to them, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. And then the second time I listen to it, like, six months later, it's like, ah, I still don't quite get it, you know? But there's something then, pulling. Yeah, and back. then you come back to it, and then it's like, when it snaps, you realize, okay, okay, there it is. Like, yeah. now, now it's, I can acknowledge yeah. the brilliance behind it, you know, or something. And that's probably a good sign of good music, you know? They put a lot into it. And it's not easy to listen to mm-hmm. the first time. It's not a pop song that's catchy. The more you listen to it, the more you feel it and start to develop a relationship with it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's good music. My favorite musicians, they come out with a new album and I have to listen to it a few times. And at first I'll be like, yeah, this is good. It's okay. And then I'm obsessed. And that's when I know. I'm like, okay, this this was good. Well, it's the difference between like, uh, you know, sometimes there's different songs and different bands that I'll make into my rotation. And I know this is just a blip in the radar. Like I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to be really into it for about a month, yeah. maybe a month and a half, but then I probably won't ever really want to listen yeah. all the way through it 
versus the the inverse of it takes me a little while to get into it. It takes me a while to, and then it's going to stay with me forever to where I can throw that one record on over and over later and it will always be good. It will always like keep its essence or something. Does your wife ever get annoyed by that? Uh, yes, she, she really hates like, and Spotify's made it a little bit better for me. But back whenever I had like my own iPod, I was really bad about playing six songs Yeah, and just over and over. And that's all I would listen to. John Urban's exposed to the same album over and over for a while. And he'll be like, something new, please. Okay. (laughs) I mean, he's super patient, of course, but like right now, you know, a perfect circle. I'm still listening to that new album over and over because it's kind of therapeutic for me where I'm at right now and it's like I feel bad because I know he's heard it too many times but he's patient yeah he's patient he's 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 feeling it out he's always in so uh one more point on uh vintage clothing you know it's kind of like you're recycling Mm -hmm. um nostalgia like it's kind of what it whenever I hear of you know vintage clothing and stuff is like certain things stay around and they become better because of the nostalgic like the nostalgia that is attached to it mm-hmm. you know and so part of part of me wonders if like the uh corporatization of our culture is going to like end history like now <laughs> all it's going to be is like recycling things that have already happened like almost I uh I think you're pretty spot on almost like there. ends yeah. the because because before, I mean, we were making our own clothes or we had one or two people in town making our clothes and it was, it was out of necessity um, or it was out of status. Um, clothing was either something that you were going to wear on the farm uh, or it was something that you were going to wear to show your status, you know, as, as in like the women that wore the dresses with the big bustles, mm. who the fuck is wearing a big old butt with a big hoop skirt and sitting down in that, that was obviously for status. Whereas now it's kind of a mix of practicality. We're obviously big fans of comfort. Um, we're not, most of us aren't working out in the fields, so we can have our status and our comfort together. And it's also really easy to produce cheaply. Mm. Unfortunately, we're doing it in in inhumane ways, um, in ways that we don't have to see, so we don't have to think about it. So that is one reason I like recycling clothing, is because I'm not um, contributing to that. Um, And it's kind of like with dogs, you know, we've got plenty of dogs, we don't have to make new dogs. Mm. We have a lot of clothing out there that can be reused. We don't have to mass produce these clothes as much as we do. Because so much of it ends up in the landfill. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I like I like vintage clothing in that it's recycled, and that it is um, making sure that we don't forget certain eras. Uh, and yeah, I mean, we do tend to just kind of steal from past generations because we don't have to come up with something new yeah. to fit our needs right now. Because all we need is to be covered up and not naked. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's kind of maybe we should just be nude, like everyone should just go naked. You know, I thought I thought back and forth on that. You know, I've never really been uh, like a naked guy. You know, like even like in my house, like typically I'm, you know, I'm I'm at least in in some shorts or something. Um, 
And it might be one of those things that, like, once you're exposed to, like, seeing people naked, you know, there's not a whole lot of people who look great naked. No, man. You know, like, most people... We're all lumpy and striped. <laughs> yeah. Most people, it's kind of like... Yeah. Our clothes kind of yeah. shape everything, and then when we yeah. take it off, it just kind of falls out. But maybe that'd be good. Maybe well, like exposing, like it, it's yeah. almost like uh, it's almost like the same thing with like hearing the truth about your music. Like knowing that people are gonna see the truth about your body. Maybe will you know? It's it's so crazy to me how many uh, I don't want to say like body dysmorphia or be super dramatic, but how many people don't look at their body the same way as their body is actual yeah you know actually is you know just think about i mean the amount of money we spend on clothing on makeup on especially for women things that hold things in place Mm. to make us look a certain way if we got rid of all of that can you imagine how our personalities and the way we treat each other how that would change i don't want to be naked don't get me wrong i'm cold i'm freezing right now yeah that would suck but it's just, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about how much our clothes and what we put on ourselves impacts how we interact with each other. There's a, there's a story uh, of Charles Darwin whenever he landed in Australia and they were like coming in contact with the Aborigines and they had the uh, portion of these Aborigines were their guides. And there's a story where they're, all of the white men are around a fire. And they, he's, they're wearing jackets, they're wearing hats, they're wearing gloves, and they're like freezing. And they're trying to get as close to the fire as they can. And all these naked aborigines can't even get close to the fire because they're burning up. Yeah. And they're like butt naked. Their you bodies know? are used to it. And yeah. so like they, they can't get close to the fire because it's too hot. And they're like out, you know, and it's and then the white guys are freezing cold. And, they're, and those are some hard men. I mean, we're talking sailors, explorers. Yeah. You know those those were some some uh, tough tough SOBs back in the day, and so it's just an interesting story, like how much uh, how much of our human nature of what we actually are are we suppressing by the culture that we are assuming, yeah. you know, or adopting? Yeah, we're we're animals that are self aware. Mm-hmm. That's it. See, and I actually wonder if we're self aware. Like sometimes we say that, yeah, like we're fair. like, we're self-aware, yeah. but then you talk to, you know, mystics and spiritual, you know, spiritual people. And there's different people who, who help you to realize how unaware you are and That's how, true, you know, yeah. you have to, per, you know, so it's kind of interesting because, uh, we have this, like this notion that we all, uh, proliferate maybe, that we are this different thing from the animals because we we know ourselves and we know this and then it's like, damn, what if we don't? Like what yeah, if what if they know more about themselves than we do? Yeah. yeah. What if they're the aware ones and we're the more ones? in tune with their needs. Yeah. And yeah. their senses and their smell yeah. and their hearing and all this different stuff. It's kind of a crazy thing to imagine, you yeah. know, like if aliens did come down um, and look at us, would they would they even assume that we are self-aware? Yeah. You know, would they approach us like, you know? Or would they just observe? See, I, I was, um, you know, have you heard of this Yellow City Comedy group? Kinda, they're they're oh, starting yeah, to do no, no, stand-up no, no. Yeah. in different places. I think 806 and Urbana and a couple yeah. different places. Well, 
I've kind of started following a couple of those dudes and following, you know, and so it was like, well, you know what? Maybe I can work on some jokes occasionally, you know? So I've kind of been jotting down some jokes. Shannon tells me I'm not funny at all. She's like, don't ever do it because you're right. terrible. But that, that was like one of the things I was imagining was like, if aliens did come to Earth, I feel like they'd be like Asian tourists. You know, have you ever seen Asian tourists where they're... Like the stereotypical, like... They've got their socks with yeah. their sandals, and they've got, like, a camera, and their shirt's tucked in, and everywhere they turn, they're like, click, click. Like, you're not a real person. Like, yeah. nothing is real. They're just, like... So like, you think aliens would see us like a zoo? Yeah. Like, yeah. They, they would come down and be like a theme park. Yeah. They would be like, oh, oh, tick, tick. You know, like, we're all thinking that they try to conquer us or something, and it's like, no, I don't think they'd try to conquer us. I think that they'd just be, like, excited and, like, trying to pet us maybe, you know, probably put us in a breeding system to get us maybe seven foot tall. It might be the best thing that happened to the human species, like, being being zooanized by the... Aliens. Did you but, see that rock that they were talking about that flew by? Those. Uh, I mean, it was close. It was millions of miles. Yeah, away. yeah, close. yeah. But it was a. It was from another um, solar system. So oh was, yeah, yeah. It was cigar it was, shaped. Right? Yeah, so it's kind of composed a little bit differently. Mm. So they were like, "Well, it could be an alien spacecraft." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Stop! Don't get me excited." Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I it, love that. It's. I really hope. Like. And I can't remember who else talked about this. I think Duncan Trussell, I'm stealing this from somebody, but they're like, you know, or uh, Terrence McKenna also talks about like with psychedelics and stuff. Mm -hmm. He's like, they wouldn't use spaceships to travel. Yeah. Like there's more advanced ways of traveling the the cosmos, you know, like they just appear or they'd come to us in our heads, you know, or something like that. Like they come through our thoughts or something crazy. So in, in reality, we're probably already invaded. Like that's probably art. Is like yeah. Every since I was a kid, that's what I always thought. I thought, yeah, aliens are probably already here, mm. I'm living okay in us. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that too. Yeah. I mean, it's whatever. Yes, uh, life had to get to Earth somehow, mm-hmm. you know, and it, you know, might have been spoken into reality. Um, but what would be any different than it hitting the Earth? You know, I mean, you know, it's yeah. it's all yeah. it's all crazy to imagine it's all uh it's all alien yeah you know i mean damn dinosaurs were here that's totally alien for me to think Mm -hmm. about that this was all dinosaurs that would have been awesome i know jurassic park like that might be what needs to happen to to like take over yeah to put humanity back on course you know we got it like you said you know that rock that kind of came by Mm -hmm. like at any point in time i think uh I can't remember the name of the group, but there's like a group that's trying to get more like observation and tracking objects in our solar system because mm-hmm. we only observe like 10% of the objects that... Because so, that's the only technology we have at this point. Yeah, yeah. We, we could be hit before we even realize. Like one, one rock came pretty close, mm-hmm. near miss, Chernobyl-sized rock um, between us and the moon. That's how close it was. And we didn't realize that it even passed until four days after it had passed. Yeah, that's what... I think this cigar-shaped one was called a Moa Moa. And they didn't know until after. And they were like, well, that would have sucked. Oh, yeah, that was close. That was a close (laughs) call. You know, it's like, we got to get off this rock, man. You know, like, we got to... like. I mean, there's so many reasons we need to Mm -hmm. get off this rock. Mm. I think think we're getting to a point where we've realized we've kind of fucked ourselves mm-hmm. so. oh, see and I've, I've kind of been like playing or like going back and forth with this idea 
Because it's like, um, you know, if, like, let's say humanity never uh, started producing carbon or started strip mining or cutting down the rainforest, one of these rocks would probably still hit the earth and it would probably still destroy the rainforest and strip mine the earth and all this stuff. So it's kind of like one of those things uh, what I was imagining is imagine like a Grand Canyon and we're on a motorcycle and we're going to try to jump the Grand Canyon. You can either put the brakes on and guarantee you're not going to make the jump or hit it as hard as you possibly can, accelerate all the way right to the end and hope you make the gap. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So it's, I kind of feel like that's what we may be doing as a species. We're actually hitting the accelerator. We're speeding up, trying to jump the chasm that is approaching, which is extinction of Earth, which... You know, it will I mean, eventually happen. Will eventually because happen. Because space does what space does. Yeah, intricate. And it's, yeah, it's in- violent and it will destroy everything in its path. And it does not care no, about it existence. No, it creates and it destroys. That's mm-hmm. what it does. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're in an interesting place where if we actually put the funds into it, we could travel away from our planet. Mm-hmm. But obviously we're not putting enough funds into that. It is weird, you know, like we're, uh, like you said, we're making clothes we don't need yeah. instead of going to the moon. Oh, we're or... making a lot of things we don't need. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Like most things. Most we, things. Yeah, yeah. Most things we don't need. Um, all right. Well, let's, let's hit, we're at an hour and a half and we haven't know. even started talking about Amarillo yet. Sorry. So, <laughs> which no, it's been a lot of fun. Um, so... What is the contrast you spoke about a little bit earlier between Amarillo and like a place like Austin or Phoenix or, you know, like one of these other places that you've lived? Like what are, what are some of the things that like really jump out at you as like a, as a stark difference? Uh, I think a lot of cities have, um, I don't really know how to say this, more technology Mm. um, in that, you know, they, they have companies there that create a lot of jobs. I mean, we've got a few companies that create jobs. They're just a little bit more uh, industrial instead of progressive, mm. which is fine. I mean, we we need that too. Um, I think there's a lot of fear of change. People don't seem to understand that they live in a city. I mean, we're a small city, but we're a city. Mm-hmm. This isn't, you know, just the high plains where it's a bunch of tiny rural towns. Which, by the way, rural is the worst word ever. Try saying that. Rural. That's a rural. hard. Yeah, that's a hard word. Yeah, it's a bad word. I hate that word. So I mean, it's. It looks cool though. Like I does. like the R U R. Yeah, it's a beautiful like, word. I love it's that. It's really hard to say. It is really hard. To say. So it's it's a very rural mentality, in a populated area. So it can be hard to convince people or show people the benefits of investing in growth. Um, growth is scary for this area and I, I think it's an older mentality. Um, and as, as brutal and rude as it is to say, it's a mentality that's going to die off. So I know that Amarillo has no option other than to grow. We're on I-40, we're in a, in a place that there's nothing else around, you know, for five or six hours. So we have to grow. We, we have no choice. Well, and it's, I, I think every town has seasons. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, you know, I can't remember. Somebody posted a picture the other day. It might have been Wes posted a picture of like Probably. Polk Street, you know, back whenever they were famous for having 
the most neon lights. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they only got beat out by when Las Vegas like started becoming Las Vegas. Like before that, yeah. Amarillo Polk Street had the most neon lights in the country, and it's. It's kind of interesting to think of, like, during that time, I imagine that there was a lot of young people, a lot of business entrepreneurs that were really excited about the prospect of growing. Yeah, growing Amarillo into something. And then, but it's almost like that was maybe a spring. And then it was followed by a summer. And then there was the fall of probably the 80s. Well, the the fall was actually, um, we had a military base that closed down. Mm. And that took a lot of the population away. So I think that was a big blow. Um, We were were originally propositioned to get um, Texas Tech. That's Mm -hmm. in Lubbock, correct? Yes. So, you know, and then Lubbock got that. So a lot of population went there. There was an option between us getting the university Mm -hmm. or getting the train tracks, right? Uh, it wasn't there something like that. Like they, oh, they, there was a possibility they were saying, you know, either Amarillo or Lubbock's going to get the trains or they're going to get the university. Mm-hmm. And Amarillo was like, we'll take the trains, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they said, which actually I think is going to end up being the saving grace of this I place, you know, so, because that was a huge, um, source for, you know, income and population. I mean, we just toured the Santa Fe Depot yeah, the other day, and we got to go into what used to be this, you know, beautiful, grand mm-hmm. dining area and a hotel, and we we would bring in famous people, and this was a destination. And then, obviously, trains kind of went on the back burner, and we're not... That's not how we travel now. Well, because it, it, it was the uh, the propagation of the individual vehicle Mm -hmm. the road trip instead of the train trip you know instead of 66 was great for us right until i-40 came along Mm. and then it just shuttled people through without stopping so now when you meet someone outside of amarillo they're like yeah i've been through there we stopped to eat there we stopped to get gas there and they get the shittiest like view of amarillo Mm -hmm. because traveling i-40 all you see is billboards and chain restaurants that's it you know you, and you go through and it, it's dirty it looks it looks dirty it looks it's dead it looks yeah it's like ugh, you yeah. know and you just shovel shuttle people right through instead of like showing them some of the the more historic historic i bet said historic hey man but, you're in texas it's yeah. historic is fine historic um you know portions of of our town and some of the cooler places and the 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 pretty places you know like it it just right over you know yeah it's kind of a crazy it's like industry almost like forgot about you know to let's just get people through as fast as possible let's get things through as fast as possible and nothing is happening in amarillo you know you see that mentality sort of change in other cities though where they restore the older parts of downtowns or the older neighborhoods um unfortunately a lot of that comes with gentrification and i know amarillo i really hope that they are working closely especially with the east side of downtown to the north east side mm-hmm. um because once this baseball stadium comes in gentrification is going to happen how how are we making sure we don't push these people out of you know homes that their families have lived in for you know generations um but i have i've seen other cities austin not being included unfortunately 
where they, they're very cautious about how they handle these older neighborhoods and how they make sure that their, their people are taken care of. It's, it's not neighborhoods against neighborhoods. All this city should take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's inspirational to know that it can be done, that we can have, you know, buildings like the Herring Hotel that can be redone and repurposed and not have to, um, just watch it waste away and to move, you know, to, even if it is a chain to move a chain into these older places to make sure that they stay and they succeed. Mm -hmm. But of course, you know, I'm all about, I would much rather it be a local entrepreneur. Well, that's, what's so interesting to me is that it's less risky to open up a chain whenever I wonder what, and I don't know what the rate is of, of local concept diners or restaurants mm-hmm. versus uh, chain, you know? Granted, a lot more chains are opened, but a lot more chains close than, you know, than yeah. something that people are really putting in their heart and soul into. And know? I hope that that's something that Amarillo... Amarillo's gotten, gotten better slowly at embracing local restaurants. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the older generation likes the chains because they know what to expect. It's always going to be there. It's always going to taste the same. Um, things like, you know, when six car opened, people were kind of taken back by it. I mean, they were almost uncomfortable with, you know, well, why can't I just get French fries? It's like, first of all, just order this food and taste it. And it's going to taste amazing. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have a great time and a great atmosphere with great beer. And it's all locally made. And a lot of it is locally sourced. That's something that we should be so proud of that we want to keep going back. And it's something that we should, you know, we, that's how it used to be. Like you were saying, you know, when Polk Street was the most lit street in the United States, that was something they were proud of. You know, these people worked their butts off to make sure that that drugstore was in business, to make sure that restaurant or that auto garage, you know, they, they worked so hard and that's what entrepreneurs still do. It's just a matter of, do we get comfortable and go to Target and go to Cheddar's and, you know, go to Olive Garden or whatever the hell people, I don't know, whatever people Mm -hmm. eat at. Or do we, you know, go a little outside of our comfort zone and maybe spend a little bit more on something locally made? Well, and I think, you know, one of the things like for my wife and myself is, you know, we don't eat out very often. Like typically we eat at our house Mm -hmm. and then whenever we do go out to eat, it's like we want something special. Like I don't want to go to a chain. I want to go to... Young's or Yellow City Street Food or Six Car or, you know, like a place that's local and I know it's going to be some dope food and it's going to be fun and drink some beers. Yeah, and that's how it used to be is that people wouldn't eat out that much. They Mm -hmm. they cooked at home and going out to eat was a treat. And we've kind of forgotten that, you know, going out to eat is the norm for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. And it's not about quality. It's just about, I need something to put in my face real quick and then go on with my day. Yeah, it's, it's there's a lot less emphasis on the quality of mm-hmm. the product and more emphasis on the convenience Which of the product. Which is sad because food should be healthy fuel for your body. It should be a wonderful experience and it should be a bonding experience, mm-hmm. you know, for a married couple to either cook together or for a family to go out together. Well, and it's like, uh, there should be like a no phone zone, you know, like, yeah. or something like, yeah. like create, um, it's so funny. And that's another like thing that I maybe has suffered because of social media 
is there's always this feel that other people are doing something that might be more interesting or there might be some new information that I need mm-hmm. that would somehow add to my experience that the I'm fear currently of missing out. Yeah, there's this yeah. fear, but then there's also this fear of buying in. Like I've been, you know, canceled on um for, you know, podcast interviews or even like meeting up with people. It's like, hey, do you want to go to lunch on Thursday? Well, I'll let you know. Yeah, instead of just being like, hell yeah. It's like, I'll why don't you today. schedule me into that slot? Because yeah. it was like, well, there might, which granted, I mean, it's me. So maybe something more interesting will come up. I'm not blaming no, them for that. that but happens, it, yeah. it's kind of one of those things like that our culture is almost, it's almost said like you have all of these options. So be careful what you choose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a weird. And I don't know if that has to do with social media or what, but I definitely think that, you know, it, local businesses do suffer from that. Like, uh, well, I might go try on some shoes here, but I'll order them online because I can save $5. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, bitch, $5? Like, how many teas do you buy? You know, you spent yeah. $5 yesterday on teas. Like, yeah. spend some more money and buy locally, you know? like. And a lot of times if you're buying, especially especially clothing, if you're buying something that's made by a small company or an individual, it's going to be made so much better and it's going to last you longer. So you are saving money in the mm. long run if you're the type of person that hangs on to it. Right. So. It is crazy. It's a... Uh... It's a wild, it's a wild problem that Amarillo and I think everywhere is facing. It is. It is know? everywhere because that's, you know, that's where we got in trouble with this mass production of throwaway products is now all of these throwaway products are starting to take up our lands and our oceans. And we're, we're realizing that we're wasting money. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a broke ass kid, man. I get it. I want to go to Target and I want to spend two dollars on something really cheap but i also know i'm gonna have to throw it away and buy another one throw it away and buy another one you're wasting your money mm-hmm. you really are wasting your money and it's like what's uh, what's it gonna cost us in the back end oh yeah you know it's like well that's one of the arguments which granted i don't necessarily know if solar or wind or any way that we're like trying to collect energy is actually good for the planet because mm-hmm. you know there's problems with the solar with batteries wind has the same thing like the hydraulic oil that it takes and um you know coal and all of them have have their issues but it's funny to me that we're like hey this one's the cheapest and the quickest so let's just do this you know and so you know it's like what what kind of what are we gonna have to pay in the back end of this like what's it gonna eventually cost us to do it this way versus like you were saying having a quality long-term product like even vehicles like Mm -hmm. i'm i'm planning on having this vehicle for 15 years versus a vehicle that i'm planning on i'm going to trade it in for a new one and a new every time it hits 100 i can't believe how many damn car lots we have in amarillo it just blows my mind because it's like do i mean and trucks how many people do we have in amarillo yeah we have huge vehicles like i understand if you work on a farm or if you have a certain industry that you need a truck that's fine. I'm not mad. But, like, I don't understand how people afford to just have a giant vehicle. Mm-hmm. Like, damn. And it yeah. is crazy. And, you know, the trading it, trading in 
after 100,000 miles or 150,000. And then what happens to that car? You know? Ends up getting smashed. Yeah. Chewed up, probably. Um, so, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was, um, so you said you're 34 now. Mm-hmm. So, how, how has Amarillo changed uh, based off of who you are? Because, like, 20-year-old Dexter, Amarillo was a pretty shitty place to live. 30-year-old Dexter, Amarillo was, like, really good place to live and and has a whole lot of benefits you know mm-hmm. have you noticed like a difference like that like as you've aged and maybe matured um yeah seeing different things that emerald has to offer yeah i uh i was just, i mean most of us were the same way when we were younger we hated this town um growing up here i mean especially in canyon i kind of kind of had reason i definitely put myself in situations because I was, you know, a little punk rocker and I had colored hair and piercings and I would get beat up, I would get spit on and I would get kicked out of school all the time because of my appearance. And I brought that on myself, I understand, but that's just, that's who I identified as, that's who I was comfortable hanging around. Um, so yeah, I was mad. I did not, I did not like living here and um, I didn't think it had anything to offer. I didn't think it was ever going to change. So I moved away and I got to, you know, learn other cities and other cultures. I mean, I know America is all kind of the same, but uh, when I moved back in 2008, all I wanted was to leave forever. I mean, for a solid five years, I hated it. I didn't want to be here. And I remember one time a friend of mine he, he quit talking to me, and he was like, if you don't fucking like it, then move. And I, that was kind of the the editor, you know. He was like, you are making it bad for yourself. Mm. And I was like, okay, all right, you're right, and I appreciate that. Uh, and then I kind of started to see different pockets of Amarillo and what they had to offer and how they were shaping it. Um you know, from the north side to Wolfland, you know, just how all these different cultures were changing Amarillo. And I started to see the potential in that we have so many people that want it to be better. Like they want, they want it to be the city where they want to stay. So some are staying to try and make it that city while some still move away. And I completely understand Uh, And it's not a failure if you come back. You're not a failure if you come back to Amarillo. But if you come back, contribute and make it that city that you want it to be. That's one of the things Shannon always says is if everybody that's cool leaves Amarillo, how can you expect it to ever become cooler? And one of the other things that I think is really unassuming about this place is sometimes when uh, when you presume that somebody is dumb or presume somebody is backwoods or podunk or whatever then you don't listen to what they say they you don't listen to the wisdom that's built in or like really the cool aspects of of them as a person or of them you know like uh a lot of times i feel like i wasn't able to see what makes amarillo cool Mm -hmm. because i was and granted i've always really liked amarillo it's just i always imagined that another place had something different to Mm -hmm. offer instead of imagining that or seeing that Amarillo is the same as every other place in a lot of ways 
Um, but what's the benefit to Amarillo is in more you have to be a little bit more responsible mindset to like acknowledge like the cheap cost of living the uh ease of traffic Mm -hmm. you know even with all the construction yeah we still have it good it's still quick and fast you know and all these like there's a whole lot of benefits and even like with there not being a whole lot of entertainment, external entertainment, you kind of find entertainment in the people that you're around, you know? Well, and that's going to push people to create more entertainment or, you know, because uh, I know with our music scene, it's been pretty quiet for a while, but now it's starting to grow and people are starting to push each other and encourage each other. And we've got, you know, we've got rappers, we've got rock groups, we've got Texas Country, and it's it's growing and that's fantastic. We need more music venues, obviously, that are going to offer a different variety of size and and culture. But, I mean, yeah, if we, if we don't, if we just sit around and bitch about it and don't do anything, then yeah, it's going to keep you in a city we don't want to be a part of. Well, what's what's really funny too is like sometimes, uh, you it's like you get mad at somebody for something they didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, instead of you know, uh, at least feel like Amarillo with the leadership and some of the different like heavy hitters and they, they want to change. Mm -hmm. They, they're looking for the new, the, like with the, uh, hello Amarillo hashtag Mm -hmm. that like little launch party. It's like the, everybody that are in these positions, you got to remember it's a profession. Like what these people are doing is it's work and, it but takes time to develop. Yeah, yeah, it takes time to develop. And that excitement is, is new, I think. For for a lot of us, to be excited about it is something that we had never experienced before. Mm. Um, I know that there have been, you know, other generations that have been excited for Amarillo. But for some reason, the energy right now is just through the roof. Yeah. And and I there are so many different kinds of people to contribute to make it a city for everybody. And I think that's where we need to to listen. Like you said, we need to listen to everybody. And the, the hard thing is, is it's not a corporate, like Amarillo, in order for it to really become a badass place to, it's, it's something that can't be, it's like a grassroots uh, thing, like yeah. has to happen. It can't be a top down. It has to be a bottom up, yeah. you know, cultural shift, Yeah. which is, I guess just takes time and takes effort and takes intention and and it takes understanding a lot of people are just mad and scared and thrown off and you know like when when a and b wants to give money or not give money obviously but to you know to help a business to grow you can't get mad because i mean i know they're a huge bank but they're local and that's amazing and Mm -hmm. if they want to help then we need to encourage that and you know I think we also need to find other ways, and Colin and I were actually talking about this, we need to find other ways to raise money for smaller businesses in the area so that they don't have to go to A&B or Happy State, you know, for all of it. Obviously, they'll have to get some of it, but if we could have like the, um, what is it? Is it the AEDC that does the, they give money every year to entrepreneurs, but it's, entrepreneurs that make money from outside of that's Amarillo. enterprise challenge enterprise the challenge. wt thank enterprise you. Challenge. thank you so but that's for money from outside mm-hmm. of the area we need to make money for the entrepreneurs that are going to keep the money here right i think that's incredibly important 
So, I mean, yeah, we've, we've all got to work together from, you know, from the top to the bottom. And that's, that's the struggle, especially right now, that people just, just fucking get along, man. We all want, we all want the same things. We're all just trying to live, trying to make it better. Yeah. Remind, remain open-minded. Yeah. You know, and, well, that's one of the things that's cool is, like, some of the, some of the stuff that, or some of the stuff that I'm the most excited about, uh, they're not making any money doing it. So, like, Critical Mass Bike Ride. Mm -hmm. There's no money. You come out and pay, or there's no pay to ride. It's It's just just come out. It's for the community. Tecla House. They raise money, but it goes directly to the artist. They don't recoup any of the money. And that's the same thing with a bunch of house shows I've been to. Mm -hmm. Uh, The people who are investing the most and are out the most time and out the most... Uh, effort and everything they're not recouping the money they're 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 giving it straight you know it's like going straight through them so it is kind of interesting in like a a capitalistic system where we've been taught create your margins and create your income and create this and it's all about the money and it's all about this which i understand it is uh but at the same time like the hard thing is culture Mm -hmm. punk rock um underground movements are not about the money it's not about the man you know it's about lifting each other exactly it's about highlighting the artist getting people in the same space even if these people aren't from the same backgrounds if we can get people to sit in the same space and enjoy something together that's success Mm. so and i think i think i see that I, i see it happening is that uh the last question on this and then we'll and then we'll end it um, so do you feel like Amarillo is being rebranded? Oh, yeah. As what? Oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, it has Amarillo. Amarillo is such its own city in that we come from the super, you know, hardworking Western, you know, we've got agriculture and it's just a very... I don't want to say Wild West, but that's what I think of. When I think of Old Amarillo, I think of the Wild West. And now we've got this kind of new Amarillo version of modern coming along where it is still very hard work based. It's very locally sourced. It's very community based. Um, And I I think that's, that's really beautiful in that Amarillo is so entrenched in its own people. And I really appreciate that. Mm, nice. Okay. Um, last question, which you kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, but how do you define success? Uh-huh. Uh, that's a tough one. Success. Okay. Okay. Success is everyone else's success. Success is making sure that we all get what we need. And we're all taken care of. And we all find our own success. But we can do that together. By educating each other, helping each other, you know, promoting each other, um, which you you do. I you know I hear you name drop throughout your podcast, and you you want to make sure that people know about local businesses and organizations. Yeah, you can't know until you know, you know. Yeah, success is going to be all of our success. Mm. We can't just have a monopoly and a few people own everything. We right. I want to see diverse diversified yeah. ownership. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. All right. So, what what are your plugs? You got some plugs? Uh, I mean, duh. I've got 
some Sad Monkey Media. Sad Monkey Media. For all your uh, website and marketing needs. We've got Short Eared Dog Photography, um, which is mostly architecture, product, and headshots. Um, Mount Ivy, which everyone should what, what? go see. Uh, Smooth Taste, which actually is playing a show... Was the 16th? Is this Friday? Uh, I believe so. I believe so too. Yeah, I think I think I announced that uh, either. Okay, good. Maybe a episode back or good because because they're opening up for like a like particle. Particles collide. Particles, particles collide. collide yeah. yeah, which they're actually a really cool duo. I like them a lot, um, and they come through quite often. So, nice. I mean, you know, they're at Golden Light. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, um, do you have a song choice to close the podcast out? Damn, you know, I always, I'm always like... You need to give me a heads yeah, up Yeah, this, this is one, one of the things that I mean to give people a heads up on, and then I always forget. Like, I'm... Uh, but it can be what you're feeling now, favorite so, song ever, I or think, whatever. Uh, so on my way over here, I obviously was listening to A Perfect Circle. Oh! So, as always. Um, so their latest album is very politically charged which it has been recently um man probably the doomed the doomed the doomed it's pretty it's a little heavier by perfect circle yeah but it's a very um politically charged boom all right so the doomed perfect circle by perfect circle yeah all right. Sorry, it's not a local song. I feel like I should have done a local song. Oh, that's all right. It doesn't have to. That, Sorry, Mount Ivy. Yeah, <laughs> I've played it. I've played several okay, of that stuff. And it was my last. My last episode was uh, Broderick. So yeah, it's kinda, that's true. They've gotten there. I time. need to start working through. I need to get Juan and mm-hmm. Topher on. I think yeah. both of those. You should do are, them together. I, I, I haven't done. I haven't done a two. A duo. A duo or like a multiple person at the, but I've had several people say that I need to, uh, uh, Hayden, uh, and, uh, I can't remember. I think the dude's name is Steven. Yeah. Maybe that they're, they're running together. Yeah. They're going to be at six car tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Man. So, you know, I've been, I've been trying to save these episodes to, to release on a regular schedule. You have a Facebook page, don't you? Mm -hmm. You can just share the event. But I'm thinking about going back because what, Mm -hmm. like I could have this podcast out by this afternoon and that's how I used to do it. But I was trying to, I'm trying to play the game, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm trying, but I don't think the game's working for me. Like, I don't think that like, like the regular posting and the, this and that, I, I think the, the audience that i imagine that is listening listen whenever they think about it or whenever it's convenient not based not whenever i post it you know so i'm thinking about going back because we've talked about several things like uh the show on friday and then hayden and all these different things that uh it'd be cool if people knew about them yeah that now <laughs> so who knows well it's hard. i might have to run this by my wife and we'll see what happens i might have this out later today but well thank you for your time uh right at two hours sorry um, that took a while no no that's that's the that's the point i'm okay i, I don't have a, a time limit that's another thing that i threw to the through to the wind it was like man i'm just gonna go when it when it goes and um, I don't feel like the conversation ever was flat. Do you ever go in and like edit and take pieces out? Mm-mm. I have to. So I had to um, 
I had to resist that urge because I realized that I say so much dumb shit <laughs> that if I started editing at one point, there's never a spot to to end, you know? So it just has to kind of be the or product that. that it is. Yeah, I, there That's was funny. one song or one uh, episode really early on that I tried to do that with. I tried to, and before I realized it, it was like, if I cut this piece out, this piece doesn't make any sense. If yeah. I cut this piece out, this you know, and, and it's just like too big of a mess. And I'm technically challenged, you know, yeah. like uh, so it's kind of like I have to have as least the least amount of steps as possible. But Angelina, thank you for thank being you. on the show. Yeah, and uh, yeah, until next time, I mean, I'm sure I'll have you on again. But for the audience, uh, this is The Doomed by Perfect Circle. Thank you all for listening and uh, peace out.
What of the righteous? What of the charitable? What of the truthful? The dutiful? The decent?